Blog Talk Radio.
welcome to the Urban Wire, episode 78, where we're going to be discussing news, politics, and entertainment. We have a full show lined up for you tonight. We are brought to you by the Urban Coalition of Freelance Writers, where we shine the light on issues impacting the urban community. My name is Seneca Harris. Uh, I'm the uh, one of the co-hosts of this store of this show. And we're going to go to the line um, uh, with my co-host, Michael Snyder. Um, are you online? Yes, I am. All right. How are you this evening? Hanging in there. <laughs> <laughs> Hanging in there. All right. I hear that. Yeah, we're about 11 days away from Christmas. So I hope you guys are in the Christmas spirit. I hope you guys are enjoying your shopping, your families. You know, this is the season where, you know, we should – just learn to love one another and just have a little Christmas spirit, uh, show someone some compassion. Um, we will be having our official Christmas show next week. Um, but tonight we're going to talk about a lot of things that are going on um, in this politically charged uh, culture that we're in right now, dealing with so much uh, as far as uh, the world of politics and just, just, uh, just dealing with people's rights and things of that nature. Um, we have a couple stories we're going to touch on tonight. Um, it's been a long day for me, so we, we're probably going to not be on here too long tonight, but I just want to get this show recorded and uh, put out there. Uh, one of the stories we're going to be touching on today, uh, one of the many stories we're going to touch on tonight is uh, – the shooting of Laquan Daniels. He's a 19-year-old male that was shot back in October of 2014. And now the police dash cam video has been released to the public. And we're going to talk about a lot of the controversy around that and some of the political corruption, along with the corruption in um, the police department in Chicago. We're going to talk about that. Uh, also, with dealing with that case, we're going to deal with how Rahm Emanuel was tied into that. And also we're going to do an update of a story we did a couple of weeks ago dealing with nine-year-old Ty Sean Lee, which was who was tra- tragically gunned down execution style. This boy was nine years old, and he, he was killed in a gang retaliation killing. Um, there have been two people caught so far. Um, there is a third person still on the loose. So we're going to talk about that. Also, we're going to get on uh, – what else are we going to talk about? Oh, so much stuff going on. Uh, if we have time, we're going to talk about Wendy Williams and her latest uh, – the, the latest – the dumbest thing – one of the dumbest things I've heard her say. We're going to talk about that. Uh, and we're going to talk get on – if we have time about Donald Trump and some of the controversial comments that he has made, which has put him in a pretty bad situation right now. Uh, And also if we have time, we're going to talk about Caitlyn Jenner. She's being sued by the families. Uh, Well, I guess two families that was, that were impacted by an accident that she caused earlier this, this year, but she feels that she's not responsible. So we're going to talk about that and just so much more. And we're and we we just want you guys to get engaged. 
If you want to call in, feel free to do so at 646-915-8200. Once again, that's 646-915-8200. Or you can send your questions, comments, concerns on our Facebook group page. Just look us up under the Urban Coalition of Freelance Writers or UCOFW. And also, while you're at it, check us out on YouTube and subscribe to our channel at www.youtube.com slash UCOFW. So before we jump into a song or two, Michael, do you have anything you would like to share or anything that you um, would like to talk about tonight in particular, or you just long for the ride tonight? I'm just long for the ride, feeling a little bit under the weather tonight. <laughs> All right. I understand how that is, man. So we're, we're just going to jump right into some things. We're going to go to a song where I, where I get it, get everything set up. And then after that, uh, we're, we'll jump on in with our topics. And we want you guys to get engaged. So give us a call, 646-915-8200. And we will be back after these couple of songs brought to you by the Urban Coalition of Freelance Writers, once again, where we shine the light on issues impacting the urban community. If only you know, only you know, yeah. If only you know, only you know, yeah. If only you know, only you know, yeah. Oh, I'm zombie man. Now my name 
people been talking about it. We won't just stand here in silence. Can't stop the fire from rising, rising. Oh, people, don't you be afraid. So many innocent slain. This is an era for change. Topics tonight. If you have anything that you would like to add to the discussion, 
um, just just get engaged. We are looking for people to just call in and offer their their opinions and their thoughts. You know, this is this is your show. This is the community dialogue. So feel free to call us at six four six nine one five eighty two hundred. You can always listen to us at blogtalkradio.com slash UCOFW. And also, I think people don't know as well, you can go back and download these episodes for free. We have our shows on demand on the website. And also, you can go to iTunes and download these shows as well. So you don't have to just listen to it live. If you can't catch it live, you can always go back and listen to these shows on demand. And also we will be putting out excerpts to the shows, which that's what our YouTube channel mainly consists of. Also, um, you can also go back and check out some of our previous interviews that we've done with um, different celebrities and um, different commentaries that we've done ourselves. It's a, it's a pretty interesting um, channel. You know, um, if you, get some time, go back and um, just listen to some of our previous shows, um, subscribe and all that good stuff. Now, the first story I want to talk about tonight, it's so much I want to talk about tonight, is um, some, uh, we, I want to do, there's so much I want to do. Okay. There was a man um, that, and this, this goes to show you, there are predators out here that we in positions, you know, kind of like, you know, in positions that we trust, like, you know, you don't have to always look for your, your stereotypical signs of a predator. You know, sometimes the predators that are out there are people that we trust and that are in high positions of power. And this story that we're about to talk about tonight uh, pretty much demonstrates that there was a police officer in Oklahoma City by the name of Daniel Holtzclaw that was charged with sexually assaulting 13 African-American women while on duty. And um, he was found guilty of 18 of the 36 counts that were brought up against him. And what he would do is um, he would seek out women that he knew that had uh, pending or previous records and he would target these women and they were saying how the ages ranged from 17 to 59 years old like you know he he uh, picked his victims like there was a young girl that was 17 years old that was the youngest victim and like I said the, the victims ranged up to a 59 year old grandmother and what was so what was so scary about the situation? He would threaten or blackmail these women into and, and coercing them into sexual acts. And he would pretty much tell them like, if you if you don't follow through with this, you know, pretty much I will, you know, I you know I have people I know ways of making you pay for this. And he he also would tell the women, you know, I have means to getting rid of some of these cases or I know people that could make these charges disappear. But um, it was just sad because, you know, you watch some of these women's testimonies, like, and it just really, it was just heartbreaking. 
you know, and this is a person that's supposed to be a trusted member of society. You know, this is, he's supposed to be upholding the law, but instead he was out here breaking the law. So we're going to go to a clip real quick, and then we get back. Um, we're going to discuss it some more, and I saw having um, um, an article as well that kind of breaks this down. So we're going to go to this clip. I'm going to try to pull it up real quick. And we will be back briefly. We're waiting on this verdict in a highly charged trial with, with all kinds of racial undertones. This is out of Oklahoma City. The suspect name. Daniel Holtzclaw, he is an ex-cop now, but he was an officer on the Oklahoma City Police Force when he was accused of the uh, serial rapes here of 13 African-American women. Uh, the prosecution claims he picked them because he didn't think they'd speak up. Holtzclaw faces 36 counts in all, including sexual battery, forcible oral sodomy and rape. So Nick Valencia back on this. Uh, also joining us, criminal defense attorney Allison Trussell. So uh, first, Nick, can you just bring us, bring us up to speed? This has been a lengthy trial, Brooke. Five weeks of testimony. A lot of that has to do with what you just reported. Thirteen women, all of them African-American, all of them accusing Daniel Holtzclaw, that former Oklahoma uh, City University, I'm sorry, City Police Officer, of raping them, of sexually assaulting them. Now, the state alleges that Holtzclaw singled out his victims uh, trying to pick up people in impoverished areas, uh, people who may have had checkered pasts or run-ins with the police department. So if they ever did come forward to report this, that their credibility would be drawn in question. Now, to Holtzclaw's credibility, the defense did call his ex-girlfriend to the stand uh, to speak to his character. She talked about how, uh, according to local affiliate reporting, that uh, he had read Bible scriptures to her. They were together for about a year and a half. Uh, that's about as much information as we know there. Uh, but the big bombshell in this case, Brooke, is skin cells. It rests on skin cells of a then 17-year-old who uh, is accusing Holtzclaw of rape. Those skin cells found both inside and outside of the zipper of Holtzclaw. Now, his defense is arguing that this was secondary transfer, that he came upon the skin cells after a routine search of this accuser's uh, purse. Uh, the state is just not buying that. Uh, closing arguments, they ended on Monday. Jury has been deliberating, but a huge controversy in this all is the, the makeup jury. of the jury. It's all white, and the local chapter of the NAACP is furious at that. They say this will lead to uh, an unfair trial. And, of course, Holtzclaw, that man that you were looking up there on your screen, he's be, uh, being charged with 36 counts, including first- and second-degree rape. He faces life in prison. All right, we're back. Um, very devastating situation, very scary. Like, you know, um, this man was not like your, you know, he wasn't your typical, like I said, predator. Like, this is someone that was trusted by many. Like, he, you know, he played college football. You know, he was pretty much respected within his community. No one would have ever thought that he would have been caught up in this type of scandal. And what's so sad about it is, is like this story didn't really even receive that much attention until like a couple of days ago. And, um, you know, from what I've been reading, you know, this, this is something that, that, that is pretty much not, this, this situation is not unique. Like a lot of situations, um, there have been like, um, at least they were saying about, uh, at least a thousand cases, um, which 
uh, police officers have within a six-year period where, where police officers have lost their badges due to some form of sexual misconduct. So this this brings up the, the, the issue, like, why, why aren't these cases being brought to light? Why, you know, we, we, we focus so much on everything else in the media. Why aren't we discussing this? Because when you think about it, this could be someone that's close to you. This could be like, you know, a relative of yours. This could be, this could be your mother. This could be your sister. This could be your niece or somebody that is being coerced into um, sexual acts with these police officers, you know, and, and, you know, and it's, in this state, you know, so I don't know. What do you think about this, Michael? It's kind of, it's yeah. creepy. <laughs> You know, it's yeah. kind of creepy to hear all the, you know, you hear the figures on that, but, you know, it costs money to screen people, and it just goes to show you that some people need to be screened better because a position of authority is not for everybody. Right. And you also, when you look at this situation, you can also kind of tie it into the Catholic Church, like, I think these people go into these positions, and what was so pathetic about it too, Michael, is showed his reaction after the verdict was read, and he just broke down like, and excuse my term, like a bitch, like a little bitch, like he started crying. I said, "Why are you crying for? Do you do you think that you know that anybody cares about you, like about you crying because you you didn't care about these women that you took advantage of." And, you know, and I I just think it was just really pathetic, you know. Um, But like I said, I mean, you look at a lot of people, they, you know, uh, I think they they actively seek out these types of roles. Like if you're, you know, whether it's law enforcement or like you said, like these priests in the Catholic Church, they know which ones to pick out. They know the ones that are vulnerable, like, you know, like like it's been said, like a lot of these priests and stuff like that, they seek out a lot of these young boys that don't have uh, male role models in the home or don't have not even necessarily male role models, just just family that just gives a damn, you know. Yeah. So I think it's always important to know your rights and then also, you know, just safeguard your children safeguard your family, you know, make sure that they know that they can turn to someone, you know, and I think a lot of these women, they felt that uh, they couldn't turn to anyone because it, it was pretty much their word against his. So I, I think that that's where um, a lot of the, the these women found themselves. Like they, they knew that this man was highly revered in the community and um, I guess they were saying how I was reading how there was one particular uh, witness or what one of the women that was assaulted was saying, like, they asked her, why didn't she come forth right after the incident? And she was saying, you know, I was scared because where are they going to be? Why, why would they believe me? It would be my word against his. And, you know, and I've had a, uh, uh, criminal background, you know, in in my past, so why would they believe me over him? But you know what, in situations like that, 
you have to talk. You have to tell somebody. No matter what you think the outcome may be, you have to speak up. And I'm a little curious. That's the number of cases that they found out about to prosecute him. How many do you think they didn't find out about? Yeah, see, that's that's the unknown. That's the big unknown because you know he's not going to he's not going to admit to it. Oh hell no. So there could be many others out there that could be victims, and I think many times when we're dealing with situ dealing with cases like this, there are so many people out like uh, victims out here that are scared to speak up, you know, and I hate to bring it back to this. Like it's kind of, kind of reminds me of the Bill Cosby situation. Like, you know, um, which I haven't heard anything else about that recently, but it's just kind of crazy how a lot of these women, they kept silent for years and they're, you know, they're just now coming out with their story. So who's to say that there there's not more out here? These are just the women that we know of, you know. So I just thought that was a that was an interesting story to bring up. And they said this guy could spend up upwards to over two hundred years in prison. Like so, pretty much he's going to be in jail for life. Like, and I think someone like this needs to be off the streets. You know, I mean, let alone even like being a position of authority. I think he just needs to be locked away because nobody's safe with somebody like that on the streets. Like you, you have to be pretty heartless to uh to even carry out something like that. And then he just shows you how big of a coward you are. Like you started crying. Like you know, you you wanted someone to have some sort of pity or some sympathy for you, but you didn't have sympathy for other people. You know, so I don't know. It's just it's just a sad situation. So we're going to move on. I don't really have any clips for this next story, and I don't have like any articles pulled up for it. But I, I think you've all heard by now about um, the controversial top. I mean, uh, comments that um, Donald Trump has made in the media um, this past week as it refers to. Um, immigrants that who are Muslim, like he's pretty much calling for a ban. If he if he gets into office, he would he would call for a ban that would pretty much stop all Muslims. Not we're not even talking about radical Muslims, but Muslims entering or you know entering the United States, whether you are a U.S. citizen or not. Like if you're not in the United States, you would not be permitted back into this country. And I think, you know, I think people like that, I think Donald Trump, the thing I noticed about him is he plays on the fears of Americans. Like, you know, your whole campaign is ran off of the fears of Americans. So pretty much, you know, when people are up in arms and people are, you know, scared, or worried about something in particular at the time, you know, he that that opens up the door for a lot of people that are opportunists opportunists to come in and pretty much play on those fears. And I think that's something that he does. You know, I don't think that people think rationally like when uh 
they're in a state of panic or alarm. And I think he, he, he he's that type of person that plays on that. You know, and what's sad about it is there's a lot of Americans that that are falling for his rhetoric. But the, the, the thing about it is he's gone to the extreme now to where his own party is kind of trying to back away from that because they don't want to be identified with it. Because what you're talking about at this point is unconstitutional, and it's a slap in the face for a lot of Muslim Americans that are peaceful, that are law-abiding, people that aren't radical extremists. You know, and I think it's kind of funny that you want to, you know, you want to concentrate on them, but you don't want to even talk about the radical, quick Christian extremists in this this company. I mean, in this country, I can't talk tonight. This country that has, you know, committed like horrible crimes against people. They have went on a massive killing spree. You know, you, you don't want to talk about them, but you want to talk about Muslims, like people that a, a lot of times that are Muslim Americans that serve in the military. And you and also, you know, you have to take into account that there are a lot of Muslims that are against these groups. And then ISIS is more of a political group than a religious group, honestly. So, you know, it's just a lot of things that uh, we have to look at. We can't get caught up in the hype or the, you know, mass hysteria at the moment, you know, and I think that uh, Donald Trump is one of those people. Uh, I, I I think that a lot of people think that he's, he's done, but he's not. He knows how to play on the emotions of other people. He knows how to get them riled up. And I think that is the main component of his success at this point. So, 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 I mean, what do you think about Donald Trump? Like, do you think that he's gone too far this time uh, with these statements? And like, how do you, what do you think is his key success for getting people riled up and getting, you know, um, getting them uh, to agree with a lot of stuff that he says? Well, I think, well, that, I think that as far as how he gets how he gets riled up, is I think a lot to do with how he approaches his topics. He, I think, almost preys on people's fears of the unknown in a lot of cases. Um, comes up with these sensational, really strange ideas or solutions. However, I will say that all of his polls. After his comment about uh, not allowing people in the United States based upon being a member of the Muslim religion, after that one, his polls took a big nosedive. So I think that just maybe people woke up a little bit and said, oh, hey, wait now. Hold on just a second. But I think his sensationalistic approach is what got him going and got him up there in the numbers real high, but I don't know. I guess we're going to have to wait and see how he does here. I know they have another debate coming up soon. Yeah, they have they have one coming up on CNN. I think um, I can't remember the, the exact date, but I know it's coming up here um, in a couple. I don't know if it's in a couple of days, but I know within the week, next within the next week, they're having a um, Republican debate, so I, it will be interesting to see um, you know, 
see the arguments on, like, you know, from you know, different I candidates. I hate to bring this up, but you got to think about it. You remember I said, I just don't trust someone to run for president that has been on a reality TV show as a key player. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, this is like reality TV. Sh- it's like he's running the presidential campaign like it's a re- reality TV show. You know, mm-hmm. I don't know what are we going to call this? Big Brother, the home game? You know, I don't know. But yeah, I, I, it just yeah, yeah I mean, it, just and, it seems like he's almost got that type of a standpoint on. Does he realize what he's really doing? He's really running for the you know most powerful position in the world. Yeah. And and what's crazy is like you have to think about it. so many key aspects. You you can't run. It's good to have a a good background in in, in uh, managing money and like real estate and and, and a business mindset. But you also have to have the social key aspects of that too. Like you know, there's so much more to uh, running for president. You know, and I think I don't think that he has all those those skills necessary to run this country successfully, you know, and I think that, you know, you, you as a president, you have to, when you, when you're running for president, you have to think, have that mindset of, Hey, I'm representing everyone. I'm not just representing a a certain demographic or a certain uh, group of people or a certain class. You are representing an entire country of people and I don't think that he, he gets that you know um, and it's so sad too because I guess there were a group of black members and preachers he met up with and I guess he had this meeting with them I think that was just the biggest joke you know these people went into this meeting you know and, and it's just pathetic like you guys didn't ask any questions you didn't hold his feet to the fire about issues that are pertinent to the black community. You didn't you didn't you didn't ask him about uh justice in the um judicial system and you didn't you didn't say anything about how um as far as like justice for people like like the like like the prisons prison system and education and I mean so, you didn't ask well, him about any policy that could benefit about- the black community. Mm-hmm. You know those people were handpicked by yeah. his, and they were handpicked right. by his staff to meet with him for a reason. Mm-hmm. And it was probably just purely for publicity. Yeah. Is this your other line? Mm. Okay, wait a minute. Um. Eight one two six three nine. Um, do you have a question or a comment, or are you just listening at this point? I'm just listening. Oh, okay. <laughs> is this Jr.? It is. All right. How are you this evening? Oh, what? A little bit. I'm tired, so I got my mouth beat up at the dentist's office today. Oh, well, you know that's not fun. Yeah, no, I said I medieval torture. I think uh, I described it as uh, an hour and a half of waterboarding. <laughs> Man, I said, you know, I, I, I'm going to tell you, I, I had to go to the dentist. been about a month ago. I had five teeth pulled. Man, you want to talk about, whew, 
I'm telling you, there is no pain like that. And I said I had to keep myself medicated because I just didn't want to, yeah, yeah. I, I understand your pain. I, I do not like the dentist, and I tried to avoid it at all costs. But, you know, when you avoid it, that's when you have more problems. The longer you try to put it off, the worse off it's going to get when you finally go. So, yeah, I, I totally know how you feel. But we're just talking about, um, at, right now we're talking about the, I, I didn't have a, a, any particular clips or like, a, you know, like any articles for this, but we're just talking about um, Donald Trump and how, um, and we're, we're trying to, dis, you know, discussing how does he get people, like, you know, he has some pretty extreme ideas. Um, mm-hmm. And I think the last thing dealing with, you know, him wanting to uh, ban all Muslims from entering the United States. I think that was the straw that broke the camel's back. But how is it this, the, is this man, you know, with these, these really extreme ideas, how is he being able to capture the, I don't know, capture the American people? Like, how can he, how, how are so many people agreeing with what this man has to say? And I, I wonder if he's praying off the fears of the American people. And I think, you know, um, we were talking last night, Jr. how, you know, a lot of times people, uh, when they're in that state of fear, they just want someone to give them some type of answer, whether it's rational or, yeah. So I think that's, that has a lot to do with it. And, and it's just like, like you said, man, like you even look throughout history, you know, you look at Hitler and how he was able to to convince so many people that uh, that Jews needed to be killed off and placed in concentration camps. Like it's it's just amazing. Right. Like you know, rhetoric is a very powerful thing. And you know, um, and I'm not saying it's ever an, an excuse for people to act out and do inhumane things, but you have to really look at. Um, the power of rhetoric and, you know, and, and, and with that coupled with charisma, I mean, you, you, you can be a very dangerous person if you know what you're doing, you know? So, yeah. So what do you feel about um, the entire uh, Trump bandwagon at this point? Well, you know, old Donald it, he he's got three things that are crucial for a person in his position. You know, like he's got money. He he's got top notch. You know, uh, people working under him. You know, uh, for example, uh, public affairs and you, you name it. He's got the top notch people. You know. Uh, Jack Nicholson ended up saying the line in the movie A Few Good Men that oh it resonates perfectly for this and that's that you don't get to be in the position that he's in without learning how to dodge a few landmines. You know, now Don Trump, he's been in controversy throughout his whole life, you know, from his divorce to Havana Trump to you know, uh, the bankruptcies of Trump Enterprises, you know, to most recently this. You know, and like we were talking about, you know, when when you look at people like this, that's exactly what they're doing. They're just 
you know, they're, they're, they've got the set people that will vote for them no matter what. Everybody does, you know, on both sides. Yeah, you got them people that will vote straight party no matter what, you know. They, they, them are not the ones that he's going after. The ones that he goes after are them ones that are undecided in the middle because he, he he's going to be able, by saying the right things, he's going to be able to capture 10, 20% of them, you know. And that's just enough, you know. And then through word of mouth, that 10 to 20% will talk to more, and that number will eventually grow. Um, you know, do I believe that he believes everything he says? Absolutely not. He's just feeding on the you know, uh, issues of today. For example, you know, uh, it wasn't that long ago. It wasn't that long ago that Donald Trump was saying that he has a plan to build the wall, you know, from border to border, and he'll charge the Mexican government into paying for that, you know. Now, we all know that's going to be next to impossible to do, you know. Not that the wall gets built, but to charge another country's government for our wall to get built, you know. But there's quite the following of people out there that are wanting that wall to get built, you know. Uh, now, with, with the whole, you know, banning Muslims thing, you know, that that's... Uh, and, and the only reason I'm going to tread carefully on this is because this can really go wrong real quick, you know, and that's, uh, you know, they, right now, that that's just a hot topic, you know, um, people are, their feeling of security has, you know, everything changed way back in September 11th, and any little thing, the world as we knew it changed. So any little things such as, you know, the attacks in Paris. I, I heard today about uh, that there was some, uh, in Paris again, you know, some teacher being held hostage and the guy that was holding her hostage was um, praising ISIS, you know. Now, how does that affect us? It really doesn't. But here's the thing. People use that, uh, you know, to push their own agendas, you know. And there's people out there that are feeling insecure about their security within, you know, their their lives here in the United States. So if you've got a candidate out there saying, you know, if I get elected, I will ban these people and this and that, we do there will never be another one. We'll deport all these, blah, blah, blah. What these people are feeling insecure are getting an answer. Is it true that he'll do it? Odds are no, you know. But, again, you know, it, 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 it's an answer. It, it's He's just feeding to a certain crowd. That's, that's all he's doing, you know. Uh like we were saying last night, you know, the, the, the extremists on both sides of the aisle, you know, such as your Rush Limbaugh and what's up, I don't believe for one second they believe everything they preach. They're just preaching to their choir because that's who pays their bills, you know, through the sponsors and all that. 
Mm-hmm. And it's all a money game. You just got to keep following the money trail because at, at no point, you know, it, we can sit here and we can say, well, you know, forget this. Let's go ahead and boycott said sponsor of this show, you know, and people start writing complaint letters and this and that. Okay, let's say that that sponsor pulls their money out from that show. There's another Fortune 500 company ready to jump into that sponsorship spot to get them advertising dollars, you know. So it's exactly that. It is exactly, you know, just that, you know. Yep. And you know, and it's, you know, and 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 it's and it's like you said, it's all about, you know, like you said, just knowing how to play the game, and like you said, who you know who 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 your who your sponsors are, who who your supporters are, and you got to kind of ain't you got to kind of like, you know play that game just to get your foot in the door. You know how most politicians are. Once they do get into, they're going to say all, any any and everything that you want to hear just to get their foot in the door. And then once they get their foot in the door and, and they and they get into office, you know, man, all those promises, all that rhetoric that they're talking, it's just pretty much nothing. You know, it's just, it's just right. a means to get the people riled up get your supporters out there, get you voted in, and once you're in, then, you know, you really don't have anyone to answer to because you you already got what you wanted. And I think a lot of people need to realize that. I don't think that man actually believes that he – he. I don't think – no, I just does – I don't believe that this man, you know, uh, of this caliber with all this money and business smart, I don't think he really believes all this stuff or – he's going to carry out all this stuff that he claims to carry out. I, I just don't believe that. You know no, what I'm saying? And like, I, like going back to what we said, you, we're just, he's just playing on the fear of, of the unknown. Right. Of the people. And, and I just think that's, that's the biggest thing. So I don't know, but yeah, I wanted to get your opinion on a, the story that we did before you just came on the air about the, that police officer that was charged with um, the the rape. Well, he yeah he raped uh, thirteen different women, all of which mm. who were African American, and um, they said that he probably going to be getting over two hundred years in prison. Like he's going to definitely be in jail for life. And what was so pathetic right. about it is, like, this man, he, he didn't have taken to any consideration about these women. Like, he didn't care about them. He preyed on women that he knew that didn't have a voice. Like, they, he felt that these women, since they were uh, convicted felons or they had past records, he felt that he could take advantage of these women because he felt that it would be their word against his. And it's just right. sad that they said this man sexually assaulted, like, the youngest victim was, like, a 17-year-old girl, and the oldest victim was a 59-year-old grandmother. Now, how low can you go? Like, And how – I mean, that's just that's just really sad. And then you want to sit in prison when they when – they, uh, 
you know, read the verdict, you want to sit there crying like a bitch, which shows you that you're nothing but a coward. You know, you're right. a low life, and you you deserve every year, every day of that sense. And, and and it's just really sad. Like I was just telling Michael before you got on, it's like it is very troubling that you have people that will uh, try to weasel their way into positions, just like with the Catholic Church, just to in, in, with the intentions to prey on people that are weak minded and that uh, are vulnerable. And and it, and it goes to show you that. You have to be on the guard at all times. You have to know who you're dealing with. You have to, you know, especially people that have kids, you really have to not be so trusting uh, with your children, with anyone. And I think that's how a lot of people mm-hmm. uh, end up in these types of situations, especially, you know, um, they think that, you know, since this person is like a highly revered uh Icon in the community that, that they would never do anything like that. And, and the truth of the matter is, you can't trust anyone, and you can't put anything past anyone these days. In this in this story, and I guess that's the moral of this story. Like you can't uh, say what anyone wouldn't do. And you know, right. we just and we're just living in a day and time where we just can't be so naive and so. Uh, just like you know, what I'm saying, like just careless. But yeah, that just that that that's just that guy's just a piece of shit, man. And then you, then you, then you want to target low income people, uh, low income people. Yeah, and you and you reason why you did because you know those people don't have any money to defend themselves. They don't have any money to you know what I'm saying. And like yeah. and like one of the victims said, it would have been his word against hers. You know, and who would who who would believe someone that's a convicted felon? Yeah. You know, and, and it's just really sad. I, I, my heart goes out to these these women. I don't know the situation uh, specifically, but just for someone just to take advantage of people like that—that's just low life. This I, I I hope that. They take advantage of that butthole, that 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 booty hole. Like he he took advantage of them. I hope they take advantage of that every day and every night that he has to serve in prison. You know, here here's another aspect to it though, and that's that these are just the ones that we know of. Yeah, you know. It, 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 someone just doesn't come out and decide right out of the blue. Hey, look, I'm a cop. I'm going to start doing this right now. That behavior, he's probably had that behavior long before he became a cop. You know, and maybe he became a cop to get out of some trouble. You know, uh, I know, I know, uh, I know of people throughout my life that, you know, have been tried for, you know, I I hate to say petty crimes, but, you know, like maybe they were found with drugs or whatever, and they ended up, you know, the judge ended up agreeing to a plea agreement that they go into the military or they go to jail. You know, maybe it was the same deal here, you know, but these are just the ones that we know of that have came forward. 
you know, maybe this is something that stretches back in his child, you know, in, in his youth, you know, as a teenager, maybe he went out and did this to other women, you know, and it's something that extended till to now, you know, to where he's in a position of power and he's exploiting that power. Yeah, he, he doesn't yeah. start doing I, I don't believe he just started doing this. No, 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 no. I don't either. For one second, I don't believe that. Yeah. And it kind of, doesn't, doesn't this kind of remind you, and I hate using this as an example, but there, here we go again, like, you know, Bill Cosby, you know, he was revered as like one of the big names in entertainment, and, you know, you mm-hmm. dare not question him. Because he had the right. money, he had the power, and, and, and you know, it's kind of crazy now that all these years later, like, you know, women, and, you know, I don't know if they're still coming out, but, like, it, these women were coming out of the woodworks, like, you know, telling their story about how he sexually um, assaulted right. them. Right. And, and, you if know. If you remember, when, when, when all that first started coming out, I, I, I failed to believe it. You know, I I just thought they it was just people trying to prey on Bill Cosby's money and all this and that. You know, because he was the the uh, figurehead for morality and you know what what it, what you should be as a family and you know family values and all that. And well, it kind of turned out it it is happening. <laughs> Hell, you got people in the church. I mean, if you want to go by that that standard, I mean, you have like you said, like we were talking about before you got on the phone, like you have priests right. that are supposed right. to be the you know uh, figurehead of morality, and you see, you see how that is, right? You know, um, and, and what's so sad about it is you have people that are willing to cover up for some of these people. Like uh, so many times, you hear about these priests getting caught up um, in these scandals with these young boys, and all they do is just move them around. From parish mm-hmm. to parish, you know, and no one really knows or thinks to 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 ask these questions. Why is this person being bounced from here to there? And you know, and I think a lot of times, uh, and I'm not blaming anyone for ending up in these situations, but you know, when we don't look at the warning signs or we don't ask any questions, you know, things like this can happen. And you know, and for this to happen to so many women. I just I just think it's unacceptable. You know, uh, I, I agree. it shouldn't have been this many women before this man got caught. Mm-hmm. So you know, it, it, it for it to happen to one woman or one yes. child is unacceptable. You know, mm-hmm. it, it, it yeah, it, it fully agree with that. You know, it, it, it's it. It's disgusting, you know. It, it's uh, uh, it, I I don't know. I mean, it's almost like common sense has gone out the window anymore. Yeah, <laughs> you know. Yeah. All right. Well, we're gonna uh, jump on. I'm just gonna be jumping around. Like we're gonna jump back and forth from entertain. We're gonna jump. Yeah, because I'm just going down this list. Um, and also, I had a clip about. Uh, we're going to get to this clip in a minute about uh, these two Fox News anchors, Stacey Dash and Ralph Peters. Uh, we were, uh, 
and how they were suspended from Fox News from for making like these so called commentators. I don't even look at them as journalists. These you know, very low class, very disrespectful uh, commentators on Fox News, pretty much calling the president out of his name. And to me, it's just like, you know, Fox did uh, give them a slap on on the wrist or whatever, but I I think it was more so because they used that type of language on there. I don't think it's because they necessarily disrespect the president. So we're going to get on that in a minute. But before we do, uh, I got a couple things in entertainment that I want to discuss. Uh, We have a caller from online, 510-493. Are you listening at this point, or do you have a comment or question or anything? Uh, no real comments as of yet. I just really think a lot of this that you're speaking of has to do with lack of black male unity. I, I just think that some of the things you touched on, if they were like Jews and Asians and Latin people, a lot of these things would not exist, from Black Lives Matter to Obama's treatment. But... You know, at the end of the day, the black male community is more about complaining, like, you know, like their mother taught them, as opposed to creating. Right. All right. Yeah. And uh, we're going to leave the line open. Anytime you're going to jump in, feel free. Uh, we're just talking about a lot of different topics tonight. Uh, we've been off the air for a couple of weeks. We take took a break. But we're just uh, discussing a little bit of everything Um the next thing I really want to jump on is more of an entertainment story is uh, dealing with Wendy Williams. And um, I'm going to be honest with you. I've never been a fan of hers. Like, you know, you look at where she's at now and, and you see, and pretty much you look back to where she came from. Like, it just seems like you, you know, you kind of forget, you know, you're so quick to look down on your own people, but yet at one time, you don't realize you you were very hated by your community. You were a walking stereotype. You know what I'm saying? And I guess, you know, what I want to talk about with her is, it's like she made a comment on one of her recent broadcasts saying that she was ashamed of being black because, um, okay, get this, because of an episode on Real Housewives of Atlanta. And, and it, I, you know, and I know some people don't follow that show. And rightfully so. I mean, if you don't follow, I, I wouldn't blame you because it's, it's really that whole Real Housewives franchise is just a mess. But anyways, it deals. She made that comment after on, on her hot topic segment of her show um, in reference to an argument or disagreement that took place on the show between Cynthia and Portia, and pretty much like you know she didn't even. You know, and, and and you know, in the in the argument was dumb. I mean, they did talk it out and they did, you know, uh, make amends. But she said that she was embarrassed to be black because of that fight on that show. Now, for you to sit there and say that, you know, if if it takes two women fighting on a reality show to make you come out and say that you are embarrassed to be black. You have some deeper seed issue, deep seed issues that have nothing to do with that. And what's so despicable is you—you'll sit in, in in front of your mostly 
white audience, you know, um, and you'll always sit there and belittle black women. You belittle anything that has anything to do with the black community, and but you'll you'll praise and uplift white people. And to me, it just seems like you're looking for that validation from them, and I think that's very that's that's very sad for you to say that. And what and what's so which angers me is like, why is it that it seems like we're the only community that feels like we have to apologize for the actions of another person in the community? Like we we'll sit there. I disagree. You disagree. I dis. Yeah, I disagree, and I have proof. Uh, when you look at other communities, let's take Jewish. The Jewish community hates the fact, and this is a conversation within the Jewish community that we don't hear because unlike other cultures, they don't publicize their pain. But a lot of people in the Jewish community dislike the fact that Jesus was killed by Jews. And it's an ongoing conversation year after year. Another example is how Filipinos, there is a demographic of Filipinos and Thai people that are very dark-skinned like you and I. And the caste system over in the Philippines is tragic of how they treat each other. They even have a sitcom over in the Philippines and Thai of a little black girl, very dark-skinned, going through the trials and tribulations treated by her community. So I say all that to say this. The sad part is, going back to Wendy Williams, when you become a business owner and you're trying to do the Frederick Douglass thing and you're trying to create an image, whether right or wrong, the sad part, you do feel like, why are they doing that? And a lot of communities have those conversations. Like uh, like I said, the Filipinos, why are, we, why, why are we treating our dark Filipinos like that in, in the Pakistan and Indian culture? Why do the Gujarati people get, get treated different than the Udu? and the Muslim and the Christians and the dark-skinned Southern India people get treated as bad as the Sri Lanka people. So this goes on in every, every, every culture worldwide, but we see it here mostly because the other groups are focused on business. So they may still have those type of traits, but they don't publicize it because it's all about business. My last point, when you go over to India, the light-skinned Indians can't stand the dark-skinned Indians. But when they get here to America and they try to capitalize, they forget about that caste system and they try to make money. Wendy is going through what she sees as bringing down her gender and her group with publicized events. But it's our fault as black men because we keep allowing it instead of downcasting it. We try to make it seem sexy. We put women over our own sons. That's just my thought. But getting back to like I, what I'm saying is they they may have those thoughts within their community but they're not publicly putting it out there like they like I just I just don't like JR like do you do you see Hispanic people like cause I know you know your background do you do you see a lot of that in your community to where they're they're always apologizing for uh People living stereotypically, like do they? Do, do you see that in your not publicly, not publicly, no, but undercover, yes, not, but not, not publicly. Like, like for example, you know, like, uh, the the joke I said last night, Aaron Hernandez killed a few people. I don't feel the need to apologize for his actions. You know, uh, 
it, it's uh, it, it's all a choice. You know, it's all a choice. Everything in life is a choice. You know, and uh, do do we let uh, you know any of our own racial stereotypes hold us back? No, that I don't. That that's an absolute choice. I know I don't. I don't what the next person does. I mean, I I want to be seen as the individual, and I and I get get so sick and tired um, of black people doing that. Like I, you know, I just get tired of that, you know, and and I and I think anyone that feels like they have to apologize for the actions of another person, I, I just I think that's just I, I just think that that's just ridiculous. I mean, you know, well, well, well and, gentlemen, I, like, like I said, it really depends on what demographic and class that you operate in. If you deal in a demographic where it doesn't affect you and you're able to uh, operate like that, and, and even you can on, on all levels. I do agree with you. You can on all levels. It just makes it very hard if you see, let's say, um, a, a group of black males behaving in such, uh, such a way, and then when you go get ready to do business, it affects you. It just it, it tears at your heart. Now, to, to you guys' compliment, you do survive it and push through it. So it doesn't right. truly hold you back. I agree on that. But it's just disparaging when you got to do business and individuals, especially with the black female community, they're waiting to see if they're going to blow up. As you see right now, more and more black women are being pushed out of the office. You're seeing less and less black women in the offices the way you used to. Most of that is because the hiring people have this illusion that everybody is needy linked. Now, that's not right. But they're looking at the Pakistanis and the Filipinas like, you know what, we still get the affirmative action thing, but we don't have to hire this girl who might be sassy. And this is why you see more and more black women in male roles because they're getting pushed out of those soft roles. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What? I don't know. I mean, I just, in, just in, in general, I just I don't have respect for Wendy Williams. You know, I just, just, just the way she, 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 pretty much has capitalized off of people like, you know, people in the entertainment like industry misfortunes, you know, and, and, and I know it, it's the game, you know, you got to play the game, you know, to make it to the top, but I just don't like how now you want to sit in front of this audience and you want to act like you're so, you know, high and mighty, but if we look at your past, you know, and you want to talk about you being ashamed of being black, but it was at one time where you you were very ratchet, like, especially when you were on, you had your radio show, like, you know, people were ashamed of you. Like, you know, the black community was ashamed of you and how you would uh, get people on your show and sabotage them and put their business out there. And, you know, you you were just a very messy person. And to me, I think she still is. I mean, people that know her past, they they can see right through her. But to me, like, for you to get on, my biggest thing about this story is, like, how dare you sit there and throw rocks? And, and then you, you want to always talk about you don't watch uh, reality TV or the Real Housewives of America because, or uh, uh, Atlanta or whatever you want to call it, because it makes black women look bad, and you got you hate to see black women but, tear each other down. But you you tear down black women every day. You tear down the black community you know every day on your show. So how can you sit there and say that? As she could, she what well, you, well, you could. Well, but what she can she can do it she can do it because right now the black community is weak it doesn't have a standard 
the gay community has more of a standard than the black community overall. You let you you let one one popular gay person get on TV and downgrade the gay community, he won't be producing no more. So you're gonna have these Wendy Williams and Tommy Sotomayor and Sergeant Willie P and anybody else who who, who downgrades the black community because we as the black uh, uh, standard are not holding them accountable and shutting them down. You're not going to have Jewish people constantly, uh, a Jewish guy constantly put down the Jewish community, and so on and so on, even if they think it, because those groups, and, and I use the gay community as an example, they don't play that. Black people, I love black folks, but we are at the point where we love to complain, but we are not going to make things change. Yeah. Two nine four uh three one seven two nine four. Are you just listening, or do you have a comment or uh, anything to I'm add? I'm listening. I'm listening. Oh, but yeah, I just to me, I just you know, uh, I just I just think it's just crazy how you know, and I don't I don't know. I, I just I just you know I just think that that was just over the top of her saying that. Like I just you know, my thing is, if you feel that that way just because of a fight that took place between two women on a reality TV show. And it, and it takes that little bit of whatever that was to make you make that statement. I think it's still some deep, deeper seated issues. Like, I don't know. I just think that she has more going on in her mind than that, you know, and I just think that that's just a shame for you to say that. I just, I, you know, I, I disagree with that. You know, I, I, I think that that's, and to me, like for you to have that platform, to have that type of platform, and use it in that way, you, you know, I, I just think that that's that's just that's just sad, yeah. really sad. Here's the sad thing: we we as black folks are doing things to the black community, going all the way back to Stephen Fetchett. and this is why they call me Mr. Research because I don't have opinions; I have researched things that I can point you to. We go back to Stephen Fetchett. We will sell out to stay afloat from the rest of the Iggers. And that's the thing. What we need to do is get a standard back the way they had in the radio days. If you publicly did what Wendy is doing right now, you wouldn't be able to air no more. But the problem is the urban community is so weak on its making a bill, making a law, male structure, that we follow the ladies and everything. And unfortunately, and this ain't to put the ladies down, it's unfortunately we as the male community, we are complaining, but we're not forcing anything to change. And it's leaving the ladies to create change, but you look at Black Lives Matter. They're creating things, but they're not implementing any bills and laws. And so as long as this stuff continues to go on, you're going to have the Fox News, you're going to have the Wendy's, you're going to have the Tommy Sotomayor, you know, you got to have people who want to make money off dissing black folks. But I guarantee my word, because I'm a business owner, the people that's hurting most is the people who have not created nothing. Yet. And the more they try to get jobs and the more they try to come up in, in, in the status quo, people are going to look at them and be like, ain't you supposed to be like little John? Ain't you supposed to say yeah? They're going to look at the women like, ain't you supposed to be Nene Lee? Oh, she's so funny, but notice this. Not that many more black females are going up in the community no more. Not that many black males are getting those hoppers. you got to go create your own now. 
So Wendy Williams is I understand you hate it and I do agree, but she is she is making a point on how that image is destroying and forcing everybody down to McDonalds and janitors and security guards. You got you got right now one and one day you should really talk about this the rest of y'all on y'all show. You got young black males kicking in doors raping eighty, ninety year old women. Go on YouTube and look it up. A bunch of them. Why is that happening, folks? Because we don't have a standard. And Wendy Williams, unfortunately, just is frustrated by it. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, man, you know, and, and, and sometimes, you know, you gotta look at you gotta look at your own. You know, you can't always point point your finger at the other communities, they're going to do what they're going to do. But, you know, if we're trying to uplift and build our own community, we got to kind of take a, a self-evaluation and look at our own because it's not about what everybody else is doing. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah, I, I, I totally agree with that. Yeah. So, well, Michael, you have anything to say? You've been kind of quiet for a while. No, just been uh, listening to the dialogue. Yeah. All right. Um, we're gonna move along. Um, I wanna do an update on a story that we did a couple weeks ago, uh, dealing with the murder of a young boy from Chicago, the nine year old um boy, Tyshawn Lee. Um, I guess they have caught uh well they have three people in connection with that crime and I believe two of them are caught and um there's still one man that's on the, on the run, but uh, pretty much they one one of the boys was pretty much it deals with a, a, a gang a, a string of murders dealing with um, a gang retaliation like stemming back to the summer of this July of this year, and what was so sad is like the, the young the 27 year old uh, man and I'm gonna uh, find his name real quick. Uh, yeah, my uh, computer's running kind of slow. But pretty much this, this young guy was 27 years old, and he was trying to avenge his his uh, mother and his, I believe, his sister. Um, I guess they got shot in, like, a string of murders. It was pretty much a back-and-forth thing throughout this whole summer leading up to this young boy, uh, which was killed. And I think that they were saying how he knew these people, like, so that's why he was able to be lured into that alley where they shot him execution style. And it is just so sad that that this this guy was that cruel and heartless to feel like he didn't have any other discord course of getting some type of, re, you know, retaliation or revenge without stooping to the level of killing a nine-year-old child, you know, and... You know, it's it's just it's just very sad, and I guess they were saying how, um, uh, yeah, I got the guy's name. His name is Corey Morgan, and um, at the time they they were looking at looking for him. They say he was a person of interest, and um, he was like one of three people who were involved with this boy being killed execution style, um. Let me see. Like like they said that he was twenty seven years old. Um, he was a friend of the family, you know, 
Um, they all grew up in the same, you know, neighborhood and stuff like that. And I guess the mother said she she knew she knows these guys. You know, that's 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 what was so scary about it is, and that's how they gained the trust of him of that young boy to, uh, you know, I don't know. But it, it, the whole situation is just sad. Uh, and I guess they said the guy that was uh, convicted, he, he's on a $1 million bond, so chances are he ain't going to be able to make that bond. But um, got it's, it's, yeah. I, I got to ask a question to you, Mike, and the lady on the phone. Why, oh, why are these boys killing and doing all this? Why can I always find a single mother? If if these if these fathers, the the, the Department of Justice proves that ninety percent of fathers file for custody of their kids, that's Department of Justice filing. Why oh why are these vicious killer boys being raised by these mothers? Who and I don't blame the mothers solely because fathers got a role, but I just don't understand how. Time and time again, instead of putting these boys with the dad to get some type of stability, I never see the single killer boy with the father, single father. I never see the, uh, a killer boy with a, a double parent, maybe once or twice, but not much. I just always see these killer black boys coming out of these single mama homes and the mama in the courtroom crying because her son, in this case, Mr. Morgan done sat up here and killed a little kid to get vengeance for his dope trade. Why, oh, why yep. does the family court keep doing this thing over and over again? But I don't hear mm-hmm. women petitioning, saying, this is wrong. These women got to stop letting their boys grow up to be vicious. Nope. I hear women saying, where the father? He ran away. Nope. Department of Justice has proved that's not true. And you can see it's not true under the CDC, Google CDC. CDC black father myth. It shows that black fathers are in their children's lives more than white fathers because white fathers are constantly at work and black fathers are constantly trying to get in their children's lives. But the minute a woman files for WIC, she gets a million dollar lawyer for free, and that man has to come up with three to five thousand to fight that million dollar lawyer just to have access at his boy. When his boy grows up crazy, guess what? Single mama, I know she's going through stuff. She just leaves him out to the street. Something got to change, single mother. Yep. You know, I got you a know, question. Back. This particular case that we're talking about had to do with basically gang-related activity and drugs, drug exchange and drug stuff, right? Right. Okay. When it comes to gangs and their revenge, they don't have a conscience. It doesn't matter what race it is. They will do anything. Look at the organized Italian mob. Shit, they have no conscience. They'll kill your whole family. You know, when you speak in terms of gang or organized crime, regardless of what it is across the board, there is no conscience. There's nothing too low that they won't do. Oh, yeah, of course not, because what you have is a person who feels like they're going to die before they're 26 anyway. See, what, what, what a gentleman like yourself should probably consider is that these young dudes really don't think they're going to live past 26, literally, literally. So the conscience that you and I may speak of, of course they can't rationalize that because they truly feel 24, 26, they'll be done. So we, 
we are in total agreement. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, see, is that you online three one seven six six four? Is that you? Yep. How are you this evening? I am all right. That's good. I'm all right. We've been talking about a lot tonight. I wanted to get your opinion on that. Uh, I know we, mm-hmm. we've just been jumping around tonight, and we're going to get to a couple more stories before we get out the air. But did you hear about mm-hmm. that that police officer that was charged with um, with the rape of those, uh, I think it was like 13 different women, and how he took advantage of these women because they had prior records and stuff like that. And they, and he said that he, he could like take advantage of them because no one would believe them. What do you feel about that situation? Like you know, um, and then they said when he when they read the verdict, the guilty verdict, they said he start started crying like a bitch. Like what what do you what do you feel about that? Hmm. Like don't cry well, now. Right. Well, I want to say this. Um, I heard about it just a little bit um but i will say this um a lot of times when people um feel like that they are in um or they are an authority figure um then they feel as if that they actually have a higher ranking or um, they're favored or, you know, like they feel like that they're not going to have to go through any type of consequences or they can get away with things. And to me, it, se- it seems like that when he done what he done, he felt like he was not going to be um, found guilty. He felt like he wasn't even going to get caught. Um, and that that right there is just when when you allow Satan to use you (laughs) and when you're not walking in the way of Christ, these are things that will happen. And so now to fast forward now that he sees that he is um, not infallible, (laughs) so he got caught. And so now he's, you know, trying to act like – or he's trying to show whatever type of remorse that he, well, and I'm not even going to say that he has it, but now he wants to pretend like he feels sorry, but that's only because he got caught. See, and that's the thing that really irritates me because you feel like you're all big and bad and you want to portray and act like you are uh, some somebody in a higher ranking until you get caught, and then once you get caught, then you want to act all, oh, I'm so sorry, oh, I'm this, oh, I'm that. But I did see the picture where he was crying. Yeah. Uh But you wasn't Mm -hmm. wasn't crying. You didn't care about when them women were going through what they were going through. You didn't care about that. Mm -hmm. You know, you was in the street, you know, being big, big, you know. And what makes me mad is you targeted low-income black people, black women, that you knew that no one would give a damn about pretty much you know mm-hmm. you knew and, and I guess like one of the women like she they asked her like why didn't you report this like right after, right after it happened and she said you know who would believe my word over a cop and that that just mm-hmm. was just very devastating to me like you know mm-hmm. uh, and, 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 and you know they said that this guy uh, he he the youngest victim was like a 17 year old girl and then the oldest victim was like a 59 year old grandmother 
Like you, you just mm. you just didn't have any remorse. You you were just out here going buck wild. You know, and it's mm-hmm. just very sad that you, you had to take advantage. And, and like we were just saying, like, you know, that that can be tied to like how a lot of people they, they get into po- positions where people are trusting trusting mm-hmm. them like like the Catholic priests and stuff like that. Those people mm-hmm. get into these positions because they feel that um they can go after people that are vulnerable. Like like a lot of times mm-hmm. with these Catholic priests, they'll go after these young boys that don't necessarily have a father in the home or um mm-hmm. you know, even with the entire you even look back a couple of years ago when I always bring this up, the Bishop Eddie Long case. You know, we mm-hmm. we've seen how he took advantage of those young boys because a lot of those a lot of those boys came from single parent homes. Single parent homes. There we go, like we were been talking about tonight. And mm-hmm. you know, um, it's easy for you to slither your way in there and slither down them boys' pants <laughs> when you know there you know there's not no strong male role model that's gonna be like, Hey, this ain't going down. So, but you know, it's it, But but see, this is why this is why, this is why I say and I don't know how you and Michael feel about this, but this is why I say to the black female community, they got to stop that I don't need a man concept. Because situations like this Mm -hmm. come about, now all of a sudden you won't help. When situations like this come about, now it's all about why why we can't do X, Y, Z together. And the reality is you're you're breeding less and less and less warriors. Let me show you how biased it is Love sisters, but I'm just showing you the complexity of both sides. Look at how many women rape children in school and how many women do not get out there and pick it and want those women heads. But when a man gets out there and does the exact same thing, it's a, it's a problem. Why do, we, why do we say that a woman who molests a young child is called a sexy cougar, but a man who molests or, or deals with a young chick is called dirty old man? You see what I'm saying? So we got to stop this whole this, this, this whole double standard with the females in order to get total resolution. Because, see, now, like I just spoke of before you brought that topic up, it's starting to backfire against the females more and more and more. And you don't have enough strong men to stop it or men who want to be involved. Because I asked somebody, and I'm going to share the mic on this thought, I, I asked somebody, what does man up mean now? It means be a slave to a woman because there's no way a woman is going to woman up when women are doing you unfair, i.e. Bill Cosby. We have a system. What? You can't go to a detective after 40 years and file an actual charge with an actual detective? you rather go in front of a TV and get a $5,000 interview check? This is a problem. Yeah, you know, you know. Here, here's another aspect of it, and that's that. You know, like you, you had just said that women nowadays they 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 go around saying, "I don't need a man. I don't need a man. Bye, bye, bye. I'm independent. They don't need a man, but they damn well will take the man's money. You know, <laughs> I don't mind taking that check. And mm-hmm. you know, I. I, I ain't bashing, I ain't being sexist or anything like that. I'm just saying, you know, it, it you gotta let them you gotta let them men be a part of them boys' lives. You know, I, I was 
I was fortunate enough to where my father was not a part of my life, but my stepfather stepped up. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. And, you know, he taught me how to be a man. Now, unfortunately, not everyone's that lucky, you know, and these women going out, I know guys holding three, four jobs just trying to pay on the child sports they got to pay and meet their bills. You know? But he's not but good yet, enough. He, okay, can I say something? Exactly. Go ahead, Steve. But yet, yeah, go ahead. All he's good for is that child well, support check. But go ahead. Well, what I do want to say is, too, now, just to actually, and, and I've heard what everybody has said, but to really look at the other side of this coin, too. Now, you do also have women who you know, have married men and a man has just up and left them and then they're left raising the kids on their own. Absolutely. And there are and and I'm not saying, you know, that all men are like this, but I'm saying that there are that 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 there is a um percentage a percentage of men that's out there and vice versa. There's a a percentage of women that will do the same thing. But I'm saying that if you have a woman and they are married and they have children and the man up and leaves, then it's actually up to the woman to take the role of the husband and the wife and to and have the responsibility of raising their child to become a um, strong person. And I'll use myself as an example. I grew up in a single-family home, and I'm a strong black African-American woman because my mother raised me to be that, and she was my example. So I'm saying that there are um, a wide percentage of mothers out here who were the example of a strong mother and a strong father to help raise their children to be what they are supposed to be. And I'm not gloating or anything like that, but I'm just using myself as an example. And not having my father in my life, um, there, there were a lot of questions as to why. But as you have your mother to take that place, the whys go out the window and you just move on. So... True. You can't assume that every single parent, you know, woman, like, they want to be in that situation, like you said, or they thought, right. I don't want no man, blah, blah, blah. You just got to work with what you have. And, you know, right. uh, and, 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 and there's a lot of people that come from single, you know, mother homes, mm-hmm. and, and they turned out just fine. So, you know, mm-hmm. it's, it's just one of those well, things you just have to work with what you have, you know, and right. it's not because. I, Every woman that wanted to go out there and lay up with a man and screw and do all this stuff in the street, life happens. You know, life happens, mm-hmm. so you have to roll with what what cards you're dealt. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. Absolutely true. I, I, I will say that, uh, unfortunately, the numbers don't show guys just leaving. Uh, I, I don't mm-hmm. say that. I don't say that as women or men. I'll just tell you what the numbers say. Department of Justice mm-hmm. shows that majority of divorces are filed by females, not by males. So this mm-hmm. is not. Uh, so so you do have a demographic. I'll be generous and say it's a third. You do have a third of of guys <laughs> probably just getting up mm-hmm. and leaving, both divorced mm-hmm. and single and, and not married. But they're not the ones 
ever since Reagan came out with the no-fault divorce, the black community has gone down dramatically in addition to the crack cocaine epidemic. So, you know, you got people hooking up, unfortunately, 2015. I do agree with you. There is a demographic of people doing that. But you got a lot of people saying, uh, I don't feel we, 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 we're, we're going in the same direction. That ain't what your mom and daddy used to do. Or are, they're saying, are, you in, are you in Indiana? No, sir. I'm in California. Currently. Okay. Okay, because when you said no-fault divorce, I was like, do what? We don't have that in Indiana. <laughs> no, 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 no. In California, uh, that, that, I'm just saying the trend started uh, worldwide, okay. I mean nation, nationwide with this whole um, – you, you, you probably even have it in Indiana. You have phrases like um, – uh, we grew apart. Uh, I don't feel we're okay. going in the same okay. direction. It used to I was be. I have heard of some states that have a no-fault divorce, but I was, that's right. why it threw me off for a little bit. You, you, you used to have a divorce where you either have to abuse someone or you have to have some type of cheating. Now you got right. people that just feel like they can do better. That's my point for a lot of these separations. Okay. Um, guys, we have another caller that just joined, um, area code 407888. Um, are you uh, just listening or you uh, have a comment or a question? I, I would like to have a – I'd like to make some comments if you don't mind. Yeah, go ahead. Okay, I, I'm sitting here enjoying your conversation. But I'd like to share some insights I've gained over the years uh, to, to help you see where we we've, how we've got to where we're at. Uh, you guys started talking about no fault divorce. Like, like you can have a problem between two people, and and you say one part there is no fault, there is no fault. The reason we're we're just gonna walk away. Somebody's at fault. We, we're being dumbed down. And and what I want to point out to you is, is is we got to pay attention to who's educating us. Let me. I won't take much of your time, but just let me go back back in the early 70s, and it actually started in 1972. And, of course, keep in mind the, uh, the hippie revolution with doing all the drugs, all that kind of like prepared minds um, But for this time. But in 1972, there was a, a philosophy or, or a, a, an effort on, from educators and the media, and they promoted this idea that if you and your spouse aren't happy, it's best for the children to separate. And they started through psychology and education and, 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 and PSAs, and, and all these talking heads were throwing that out there. Well, when you're struggling with your wife because you got this girlfriend on the side, you know that you would say, "Okay, for the kids, I'm going to walk out of here." At the same time, we had on TV the Brady Bunch. Okay, they're showing us the the uh, two a blended family, and every the worst problem in the world got fixed in 30 minutes every afternoon. And then we got this uh, a single mother, the Partridge family. We got this single mother got this big old house full of kids, and she's got them all organized, and, and, and she's driving around on a bus on the weekends, and they're doing concerts, and it, it, it looked pretty good for a single. You know what? The, the blended family and the single family has not been that easy, but it prepared our minds. And then on top of that, 73, we had Roe v. Wade. When these parents started splitting up, it was the unwed pregnant kids these broken hearts, broken-hearted children because their mom and dad's not together. Their mom is depressed. Their daddy's off with their new, his new, 
younger, skinnier model, and he's life is looking good for him. And these depressed kids that's got to go visit their dad and get in a fuss with their stepmom or their, their girlfriend, and then they come back and then they fall in the arms of of another teenager, and we got unwed pregnant teenagers, and the answer is uh, abortion for some, and some are choosing to. Look at where we're at now. Uh, uh, when it's not an unwed pre- those kids back then had a chance of survival. Uh, many of them did good. They got their education and they they got on with life. But today, we got three kids, three different daddies. You know, and it, you, we we got to quit. We got to look at who is educating us and, and consciously think about what's being pumped in our mind. When they when they say no fault divorce. Whenever someone says we're splitting up because we got irreconcilable differences, the only reason we can't reconcile some is because we've just made up our mind that I'm I'm moving on because this I refuse to be responsible and make it right. This this is dumbing down our 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 def, It's like when I hear something like that, I I, I ask people, wait, wait wait what do you mean by that? I want you to think through what you're telling me because what you're telling me has absolute no no logic to it. You know, somebody just recently told me they were having a party at their work. Uh, they're having a holiday party. I said, well, a holiday, what, what holiday is? Well, it's just the holiday season. Well, what do, what do you mean? Well, winter break. I said, what are we taking a winter break for? I finally got the guy to tell me it's Christmas. I said, well, so you're telling me that, that Christmas is, is that whenever Jesus came to earth to provide us with a Savior for our sins? Okay, and we're celebrating his birth. Okay, why'd you gotta, why do you got to sit here and say these words that don't make any sense? Somebody's teaching us this stuff, and they're changing not just history, but they're ta- changing the way we live. And, and, and I just want to say, that, y'all, please, uh, take my ideas here, and, and, and let's get more conscious about it. Don't let nobody own space in your mind, you know, yeah. or anybody's mind. So but I, I have a question you. here that I will toss out. To you because it kind of goes along with what you're saying, and the question I guess I have is, I also am an, I am an ordained minister of uh-huh. a non-denominational faith, and the question that I would throw at is, and when I say non-denominational, I mean all inclusive. Mm-hmm. So, and I'm all for calling it. I'm all for saying Merry Christmas. I'm all for you calling it whatever you want to call your party. But I see if you work at such a big agency, let's take, I'll use a good example of, let's say up in Indianapolis, a popular place to work is Amazon. You have lots of different cultures. You have lots of different people. You have people from all over the world that work in this place. So if you choose to have a holiday party, if you choose to have a Christmas party, that's great, cool. If you choose to call it a holiday party, you're including everyone, which seems just about like all the major religions have something around this time of year, or at least yeah. most of them do. So while I'm all for saying Merry Christmas and have calling it a Christmas party or whatever you want, I'm fine with that. That's great with that. But they realize, too, they're also excluding everybody else that's working just all as right. hard as everyone else is. Yeah, but, but what I'm saying is, is, there's an effort, and and I want, I don't want to get too far off of the issue you're talking to, but but it, but this is the issue is we have people out there redefining words for us. Okay, listen, mm-hmm. 
when we've always heard perception is reality. No, perception is not reality. Perception is behavior. If you can convince me this guy uh, 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 in court didn't rob that bank or whatever crime, if you can convince me and give me some little point that might make me doubt, okay, and I say, okay, he's, 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 he didn't do the job. He didn't commit the crime. And he walks out of there. If he really did commit the crime, you know what? He's, he's guilty, Okay, he's guilty. Okay. He just was declared innocent, but but what what got him declared innocent, even though he's still guilty, he knows he did it. What got him is my behavior got changed because of the words you used. Uh, uh, there is no such thing as an atheist because the word atheist means no God. If you can prove to me there's no God, then there is no God. But until you can prove to me there is no God, then you need to change the, the terminology for your philosophy. Mm-hmm. I believe, listen, I believe in evolution. I don't believe that there was some big bang, big bang out there. I believe in evolution. The word evolved doesn't mean something became something different from its origin or nothing became something. The word evolved means mature. When I was born... I was born in the likeness of a human being. I went from I will go from pediatrics all the way to geriatrics and never change the likeness of a human being because I'm going through the maturing process. So so uh, it's like these churches, you hear these ministries saying if you send me a gift of at least this much money, $25, we'll send you this tape or this CD or DVD or book or whatever. And it's like, no, 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 that is not the definition of a gift. A gift is something you give me just because you chose to give it. It's not something I give you for something in exchange. You're, 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 you've changed the definition. And that's what I'm saying is is we need to think through uh, uh, every everything that we're told. Uh, let me give you a good example of what happened to the family back in the 80s. These men, left, mostly men, left their, their families. And back then they had uh, not one or one and a half children. They had four or five kids, there was bigger families because that generation before them, the parents came from farming communities where you had a whole bunch of children. So it was natural for them to grow up and have four or five kids, okay? And and then all of a sudden, the the dad leaves, the, the mom goes back to church, and there is no place for a, a, a divorced mother in church, a single mother. that There's no place. She's not feel welcome. They might not say, hey, don't come back, but people just ain't talking to you, and your children, are, are they're, they're, they got more emotional needs, and, and they're disruptive in, 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 in Sunday school. And, and it didn't take long for you to feel not welcomed, and you didn't come back, okay? And then okay. you've got the depressed mother. I'm, I'm leading up to something. you got the depressed mother, these children that are taking the role of, leading, they're being the mature ones in, in the fi- family. There was no laws back then for alimony. You had to choose, you had to pay child support, and it was usually what the man and the woman agreed on, and the judge made it final, but, but it was usually the man because he got a job because the women back then, their whole life was their family. Okay, now, so they didn't have alimony, and the, 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 uh, uh, the man usually, because he decided, you know, he, he was going to give what's affordable to him, for child support, and and so these lobbyists started pushing forward for alimony and holding this man accountable. By the time they got these laws in place, he's an older man. His son is now a young man. 
getting into a relationship having a, a distorted view of what a father is, and whenever his relationship isn't working out because he didn't have that example of a man, okay, and whenever his relation ain't working out, the laws that was meant for his father is now burdening him beyond what he can handle, and he's losing heart, and it takes another generation because if everything was in went in favor of the woman and it's oppressing the man and then it goes and we down to the road later on they start coming up with these lawyers that take only only male uh, uh, clients when it comes to a divorce because we're going to protect protect the male you see how it goes from one i'm going to tell you where i get this a pastor i'm going to tell you where i put this i put it at the feet of the pastors in the last couple of generations i put it the pastor should have said we need first of all they should have said we got a hurting family us reach out to them. But, it, it, you know, the church has been, in America, has been on an average of 25 to 35 years behind the issues that our culture has faced. It's taken... I agree, I agree with you completely on that. And, and it's taken... I'm not your ministry. traditional ordained minister. I will give yeah. you that. I, I'm yeah, not, but I'm you know, saying, there's a reason that I don't belong to a brick-and-mortar Sure. Yeah. A brick and mortar church you go to. I I have strong issues with that type of the institution. So, but uh, well, wait, wait, and another what you're question saying, that I, I think, will ask of you is, you said you don't like the term atheist. Why don't you like the term atheist? Well, because I don't, I don't, I don't. I ain't gonna say I don't like the term. I'm gonna say the term don't exist. Listen, if you uh, uh, if you say you're an atheist, okay, your, your philosophy has to prove that you're an atheist. The most an atheist can do is prove that he's at best an, an agnostic, but he hasn't proved there is no God. It, it, the word it's like if you're a Baptist, okay, you're but a Pentecostal. That's why it's called religion. It's called a personal belief. It's a personal uh, I know, belief but, that there is no God, just here's the what, same as here's it's a personal religion, belief that there is a God. Here's what religion is. Religion, the word religion means discipline. If you get up every morning and you jog for five miles every morning, we say you do that religiously. It's a discipline. Religion is a, you get, whether you're Baptist, Methodist, Protestant, whatever your denomination, okay, you, you have a discipline of philosophy. This is what I believe, this is what we study, and eventually it becomes a part of your life. It is a discipline, okay? And, mm -hmm. and, and whenever you say that you are a, an atheist, you know, Baptist has a certain denomination that declares that they're Baptist. Catholic, okay, it, it, they're, it, it is consistent with their their discipline, discipline of philosophy, With their doctrine. doctrine, their doctrine. Okay, so whenever you say no God, you you got to prove there's no God, or either change the the term of your religion that is consistent with what because they haven't proved there's no God. They say but they like prove on it the, to themselves. They prove it, but you see, this is the whole thing. You ever seen, you heard, remember in the Bible where it says the fool says in his heart there is no God. If I believe something in my heart, that doesn't make it true. It only makes me in my soul that is who I am. It doesn't make the fact that what I believe is true. You can tell me there's no God. You remember this guy? You remember this guy? Uh, remember this guy out in California, Scott Peterson? He was married, and 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 he met this girl, and he had his girlfriend on the side, and he was telling her he's single, and he goes out and he dumps his wife, his pregnant wife, in the bay. And then he goes yep. on, and he's living his life like a single man. Right. It didn't bother him. What What happened was is he didn't believe he was single in his mind. He believed it in his heart. 
to the point that what was in his heart gave him everything he wanted in this new girlfriend, but it cost him his wife's life and her, his the baby in her. This is what I'm saying. When we believe something in our heart, that means it's in our soul and it's what we really believe. And that that's that's not always good. And whenever and I and I've talked to well, atheists. That's the story of life, right there. Yeah, well, it's not it, always good, depending on how we perceive it. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm saying what I say with the atheists, you know, and I never never fuss with them. I, I give them the respect that I give everybody, and would want for myself. I'm just saying, you got to be honest with to your belief and come up with a phrase that that expresses your doctrine or philosophy or whatever word you want to use. You know, it's like a Baptist can't call himself a Catholic whenever he's living by everything a Baptist does. You know, what he, would you he's have, got the wrong what, tag to his philosophy. What would you have the atheists address themselves as? At the best, agnostic. At the best, an agnostic is saying, oh, you know, I know God. there's something out there bigger than me, but uh, you can't say there's no God because whatever is bigger than us, uh, whatever his name is, if he's bigger than us, he at least earns the the title of God. If he's bigger than us, until we find something bigger. But but there but there is there is no. I say I say there is atheists can't exist. You know they say God don't exist. I say atheists don't exist. Not right, in sir. the sense that their philosophy. Sir 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 sir. I'm, I don't mean to be cut you off. We we only got a couple minutes left, and I got a okay. couple more. Okay. Well, I, I got to. The main thing I wanted to add was what I said about the family. We need to we need to uh, uh, think about what people are saying and, and, and the words that people give us, like uh, irreconcilable, dumbed down words, like uh, uh, no fault. You know, if you're going to split up and not have something to do with somebody else, it's, it's somebody's at fault. All right. All great, right. Great um, show, though. All right, we're gonna move on. We have a couple more stories. We're gonna have. To, I'm gonna still go ahead and record them so so we can put them up online. I wanted to get your um opinion. Oh Lord Jesus, I wanted to get your opinion from you guys. Um, see, did you hear about those comments that Wendy Williams made on her show pertaining to an altercation that took place on the Real Housewives of Atlanta between Cynthia? And uh, Portia, did you hear about what she said? Girl, you, you ain't no, going to be ready for this. Why oh did God. she say that she, she's ashamed to being black because of those two because those two got into an argument on the show? Now, now what? to me, yeah, she said that. She said that she, those two make her be, uh, make her ashamed of being black. Now, first of all, if it takes two women on a reality show to make you feel ashamed of who you are and where you come from, mm-hmm. then to me, like I was saying earlier, there's some deeper seed issues there. And like mm-hmm. Wendy Williams did not talk about anybody because her career, especially when she came up in radio, she was what we would be ashamed of, like, in the community. Like, you know, she she can't judge anybody. She came from an environment where she was addicted to cocaine, and mm-hmm. she, uh, you know, she she had eight abortions. She she did all kind of stuff in the streets, you know what I'm saying? But for you to get on air and mm-hmm. talk about you ashamed of being black, no, mm-hmm. you should be ashamed of being yourself. Mm-hmm. And now you get a, now you get in front of this audience, you know, and I said, 
you know, and, and the thing, if you watch Wendy Williams, you, you'll notice a pattern about her. And this is mm-hmm. what I was trying to say earlier. Like, you know, you, you get in front, you cater to, and don't get me wrong, you can cater to who you want to, and I'm not trying to make this a race issue, but I've noticed, like, when it comes to anything dealing with black people or black women, you're so you're so quick to tear them down, and you're so mm-hmm. quick to always to, to tear down black people, but you, you always build white people up. I don't know if you ever noticed that about her. And then to mm-hmm. me, like, you know, you were known to get on, to get, you know, um, get on air and sabotage people. Like, you know, people were going through things. Mm-hmm. People are people. And for you to put people's business out there, and you, you'll you be the first one to put people's kids out there, uh, always throwing mm-hmm. people's kids. Like, like, there's been several times, like, even Whitney Houston. Like, Whitney Houston her out a couple times because, you know, you putting her business out there, okay, yes, yeah, she was addicted to drugs, but for you to to make fun of that or bring light to that in an interview, I think that's very tacky. Um, even mm-hmm. Evelyn from Basketball Wise had to get on her because, you know, you're sitting up there talking about her kid, children on the air talking about, oh, your baby ain't nothing but a cash register. you using your baby just mm-hmm. to get cash. And my thing is, it's like, you don't come for people's children like that. You know, and mm-hmm. like Evelyn, you know, this is like a year ago, she says like, okay, you know, Wendy, I've been nothing but good to you. And, I, you know, when you had your debut on Broadway, I even bought you a nice bouquet of flowers. I don't bother anybody, but but since you want to go there, I'm not sure tell your man when I open up my new store, won't you tell him to come and buy um, another pair of pumps for another woman? Because I know those pumps that he was buying were not your size because you got those big old mammoths. <laughs> Of yours, so you know it's just like one of those things. Like Wendy Williams is a mess. I don't, I don't respect her. I said, you know, mm-hmm. you, you so quick. I remember she tried to come for Judge Mathis. Like I, I heard an old interview back in 2002, and he let her have it. Like she said, how you gonna try to come here and talk about some stuff you read in a tabloid and try to tarnish my image when I worked to get to where I'm at? You know to be the, right. the youngest judge in America and for you to sit there, to be another sister, to sit there and try to tarnish my image when you don't have a squeaky image yourself. And that's that's just my biggest mm-hmm. thing about Wendy Williams. I don't like her. I say, you're, you're so quick well, to always throw shade at someone else and your life is not squeaky clean. Mm-hmm. Well, it, could be, it could be she's trying to get her ratings up or keep yeah. her ratings up. But I would tell mm-hmm. you, don't don't do me when to do yourself. Okay. Because <laughs> really, if you want to talk to somebody, but that doesn't but that doesn't make that doesn't make you feel any less of an African American. Just because yeah. people are fighting or whatever. Mm-hmm. Now, I, I can't you believe know. she made that kind of statement or even that kind of comment. I can I can't believe she did that. Yeah, mm-hmm. she did say that. And you know, and that just really bothered me, you know. And, and like I was trying to say, and I kind of disagree with the gentleman that was on the phone, I don't see any other cultures getting on TV denouncing their religion or denouncing their uh, their ethnicity. We're the only people that will do that. Like, we're the only people that will get on TV and apologize for what the next person does. Like I said, at the end of the day, I'm proud of being black, and I don't base my my blackness off of what someone else does. Someone else does. You know, right. I just dis- I just disagree with that. Like, why would you be in front of a 
mostly white audience and say that. That that really bothered me. You know, and, and, and I don't really have respect for her. Huh? She looking like a big old. They have to put somebody. Say she looking like a big old RuPaul. <laughs> That's why Omarosa read her like she said, "You're trying to be an angry black woman." She said, "No, it's I'd rather be an angry black woman that is, uh, you know, assertive and that doesn't take mess off nobody than being a buffoon." And and Wendy Williams is nothing but a buffoon to me. You're a clown, Mm -hmm. you know. And and to me, you you your success has been based upon. Other people's misfortune and other people's right, um, right. struggles. Mm-hmm. That's that's the only reason you've gotten to where you're at. She's a low life. Mm-hmm. Like she's been right. cussed out by so many people. Like I just wouldn't want to be known to be that ch- kind of chick. You know what I'm saying? I just wouldn't want to be known to 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 say that I've gotten somewhere in life. I said because what you what you what you do is not true journalism. Like you have that platform, but you don't use that platform. For pops, like it's so much good she could be doing with that. Like Oprah, like you see people like Oprah, she used her platform to help out people, educate people, inform people, get back to the mm-hmm. community. What does Wendy Williams do? She just perpetuates mess and gossip. That's all she's good for. And mm-hmm. you know, and, and I just think that she's a horrible human being. I think she's she's low, you know. And for you to get mm-hmm. on the and belittle your people, you ought to be ashamed of yourself. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. anything, and like Portia from Real Housewives of Atlanta, uh, she said one time, because I, I guess last year, uh, I forget what, what award show it was, but they were saying how um, uh, one of the people from Ricky Smiley Morning Show, I can't think of, the, the, the queen on the show, I can't think of his name, uh, but he, he was at the red carpet event interviewing Wendy Williams and he was like, you know, um, asking her about different things, and then she was talking about, well, um, she was talking about, are you watch, you know, are you tuning in to Real Housewives of Atlanta? And she said, oh no, I don't, I don't watch shows that uh, where black women are tearing each other down. And Portia made a good point. I said, yeah, she doesn't have to watch our show because she has a show where she does that anyway. Like she tears people down, and black women down anyway. So. What are you talking about? Mm-hmm. Somebody take someone down and you do it every day on your show. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I want to say this real quick, too, that, mm-hmm. you know, misery loves company. She's miserable, and that audience is her company. And I'm going to and I really don't watch the show that much, but, you know, when I see her in the news or whatever, or, you know, like if I hear little things about her, then I'll listen to see what's going on. But, the issue that I have is is that when when you don't have anything good going on for yourself, you love to see negative things happen. You love to stir up um, falsehood and, and and you love to you know try to bring out the worst in people because you know that you have not gone anywhere in your life and you are miserable and you are just an evil person and that's how I've always seen her and so you know so she gets her glory and she gets her happiness for tearing people down but see but then when somebody snaps back on her then it's almost like she really has nothing to say you know and I'm sitting up here like 
Like, what are you doing? Like, why why are you still in air? Like, why are you even still in existence? Like, like people just need to turn her show off. Don't give her the ratings so she can get off. Yep, and that's how we fight back. Because the same could be said about Raven Simone. Because you know she she made a lot of those comments too about um uh about the whole. Did you hear about the whole thing she was talking about ghetto names and how she would never hire somebody with an ethnic name or something like that. And my thing mm-hmm. is for you to sit there and sit on that on that panel of the View every day and make all these controversial comments, girl. First of all, you forgot where you came from. Yep, that was mm-hmm. Huh? I was gonna say the same thing. You never forget where you come from. I don't yeah. care how big mm-hmm. you know, or where where you've gone, never forget where you come from. But I wanna say this too, that you know, the people on her show, they love that that, that type of, you know, You 
I don't care about you talking about me. But the thing is, when you put my wife and my family in there, she's dealing with cancer. Her hair done fell all out. She don't want people paying attention to that. And you're going to put that business out on the air. Like, why would you put mm. out there on the air about this woman going through cancer treatment? And it wasn't even like you, you were going to do anything for her. You just sitting up there talking about that woman on air like that and mm. putting that woman's business out on blast like that. And that's what I'm saying, man. She's a low lifed human being. She's a mm-hmm. low lifed human being. I'm sorry, that's how I feel about it. I said, you know, mm-hmm. anytime you talk about people's kids, anytime you talk about people that dying from terminal illnesses, like girl, what what do you what are you getting out of that? What are you getting out of reporting right. about? You know, right. I just I, I don't like mess like that. If it's not, you know, I you know, I like to, you know, talk about the celebrities and everything, but it's just a line that you cross. You don't talk about people's families and their children. And it's just certain things you just don't do. And I think as uh, I don't even consider what she does journalism. I don't think I just think she she has no ethics. Well, mm-hmm. you that's be how she makes her living. Yep. That's how she makes her living, y'all. That's exactly how she yeah. makes her living. Is it right? No. You know, but that, that, yeah. that people love that. Misery loves company. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, no, like, you know, and like like they say, you know, as long as people keep tuning in to that foolishness, you know, mm-hmm. see, you made a good point. You know, you have to turn, decide to turn up there because if they don't have the ratings, they can't stay on air. That's the same thing mm-hmm. with Ray Simone. Like, you know, the reason why Ray Simone is still on the view is because she offers shock value, you know, and I think mm-hmm. as long as people are watching that show to see what crazy stuff she's going to say next, they're going to keep putting mm-hmm. her on air. She, mm-hmm. she, they're not going to take Raven Simone off because they know she's going to say something crazy and everybody's going to tune in, everybody's going to talk about it, and, and it doesn't mm-hmm. matter how crazy it is. And I think that's what a lot of times uh, – that's how Well, all that do. attention it draws is free advertisement. Exactly. Well, but my question is, did anybody address Wendy or, or put Wendy out there for saying that? Or any, is anybody talking about it? The well, you know, the, a lot of the, bloggers, the bloggers online are talking about it. Um, a lot of commentators on YouTube and private mm-hmm. blogs, but I don't know if anybody publicly, like, you know, any of the entertainment shows on, you know, network TV have put her on blast. But I know a lot of people on black and black Twitter, on black Twitter, and you know, have been talking about her and been dragging her for that, you know. But the thing about Wendy is like that's to be expected from her. She's been doing this stuff for years, so you know, ain't nothing's gonna change. Like you know, she she that's just her. Like it's really no shock that she said something like that because that's the, right. that's what she's known for. You know, and I'm about tired of mm-hmm. her. Like, I'm really tired mm-hmm. of her. <laughs> she looks like a big-ass hairball that done grew legs. <laughs> and it's fucking out <laughs> Girl, they should have used her in the wig. She looked like that damn lion. <laughs> With that long, blonde weave in her damn head. She looked like that damn cowardly lion. Oh, oh, oh my God. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh my God! Let me stop. Ooh, that's the truth, though. Mm-hmm. Oh I got. Oh, hold up. 
got a couple more. Um, I need to get y'all opinions on a couple more stories before we get up off here. What do you, this is kind of more of a serious topic, you know. Um, as you know, uh, we were talking about earlier in the show that uh, they did catch uh, the three. Well, they have three people connected to that Tyshawn um, Lee murder, that young boy that got killed. And uh, pretty much I'm, I'm glad that justice is being served in that. But what's so sad about it is, like, uh, come to find out that this young boy knew these, these guys that were connected to that murder. And that's how they were able to lure him into that alley to get shot. And to me, you know, it's it's just sad. Like, when you live that type of lifestyle, you bring death to your front door. Like, you know, and they were saying how a lot of the, that killing led up to, it was a lot of, it was pretty much gang retaliated. You know, they were saying how a lot of uh, uh, beef between these two rival gangs in Chicago, it's been going on since the summer. And, you know, it just led up to this young boy getting killed. And, you know, uh, regardless to how, you know, people feel about the parents, you know, and I don't think they live the best life. At the end of the day, they still, you know, are human. And I I think that they, they do have some type of hurt from their child getting killed. But it just goes mm-hmm. to show you, like, when you live a reckless type of life, you bring that type of stuff, it comes close, it hits close to home. So, yeah. you know, I guess what we can take away from this is, like, you have, when you bring kids into the world, you have to change the whole mindset. You have to kind of, you know, there comes a point in your life where you got to change your ways because you can't live in these streets forever and think that nothing's bad going to happen to you. Mm-hmm. So... You know, I just urge people out there, like, if you got kids, if you got family, you got to think think more, you know, you just think about yourself. You know, you have to uh, change your life because this is the type of stuff that will happen to you if you don't take heed to that. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. And I got one more story. Um uh, yeah, did you hear about those two uh, commentators on Fox News, Stacey Dash and Ralph Peters? They were suspended for oh. calling, yeah, the, the guy that called uh, President Obama a pussy on air. What? Uh, yeah. And Stacey Dash said, yeah, he, he called President Obama a pussy on air. And then uh, Stacey Dash, she said that Obama doesn't give a shit about the American people. Now, mind you, these are supposed to be professional journalists, which I don't even call them journalists. I call them commentators because you know, you know what you you pretty much ruin the the art of journalism, you know. But for you to get on air and say that, and I guess Fox News, they. Uh, Suspended them for two weeks, but what's that like? To me, I think they they didn't they didn't suspend them because of what they said about Obama. I think they suspended them because they used that language on air. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Fox News has been known right. to disrespect 
the president of the United States. Like, you know, I I think it's flat out. I just think I think it's flat out racism. Like this guy, yes. um, that Ralph Peters guy, he's been known to say racist, flat out racist things. Like he he said we were dealing with the president and rather deal with um um these thugs in Ferguson and these Islamic thugs more than the American people, um, or something like that. And to me, you might as well say it like, you know, you care more about the ends than the why. You know what I'm saying? It's just like, I don't know. But I've got a clip of this real quick. I want you guys to listen to this real quick, and we're going to come back. Because uh, you guys got to hear what this guy said on air and what this mm. just woman You guys hear the audio? know what were you saying to the TV as the president was speaking what was your commentary as this uh, as the president's speech unfolded well first of all he keeps speaking about we can't give in to our fears uh, you know don't be afraid look mr. president we're not afraid we're angry we're pissed off we're furious yes. we want you to react we want you to do something you're afraid I mean this guy is such a total pussy it's stunning and you know we want the, we the people the american people whom he he does not know in any intimate sort of sort of manner we want action we want action against islamic state and then then when the president's telling us you know he is going to destroy isis this is a president who has done more harm to american police departments than he has done to islamic state this is a president who restrains our military. He uses it not to defeat ISIS, but for political purposes, for political cover. This is a president who doesn't want to hurt our enemies. This is a president who cares more about thugs in Guantanamo or thugs in Ferguson, Missouri, than he does about law-abiding American citizens okay, and their Ralph, right to live in safety I, and peace. I can tell you are super angry. And I asked you what your reaction was, but I got to call you. I you can't use language like that on the program, okay? I'm sorry. Okay, accept that. Now. Tucker's right. Not a lot new. If you don't want boots on the ground, you would have been happy with that portion of the speech. But Harris, he put on a tuxedo, and he went to an event right after that, much like we saw with the James Foley beheading. I mean, he does not take well, this seriously. To put a, Not to put too fine a point on that, but I, I, I did find it uh, curious that early on we were told that he would not be attending that event, and then that changed. And I, I'm not a fly on the wall, so I don't know exactly what those conversations were like with White House staff, so on and so forth, but, but that is, that's part of the fact line. I want to ask you something, Kennedy, though, about some of the facts that were in the speech that yeah. are being uh, cleaned up today by the White House, if you will, for lack of a better term. So at one point, the president said that uh, Tashfeen Malik, the woman who's one of the suspects in San Bernardino massacre, was here on a on a waiver. visa waiver, yeah. which is decidedly different from the fiancé visa that she, in fact, was on. So the White House, a short time ago, or a short time after her speech, had to put out a, a fixed transcript, a repaired transcript, 
that had that fact in it. What happened? Was that just a breakdown? How do you fix a transcript? That's what I was wondering this morning. How can you amend a speech that you've already given and try and enter that as, as part of the, the official the record. record? Congress does it every day. Yeah, that's, uh, I, I guess yeah. to me that's intellectually dishonest and it just doesn't make a lot of sense. And it also goes to show you that this administration was really uh, caught off guard. They were completely caught with their pants down over this massacre. And what I was watching for is I want to feel better. I actually, I want to feel better about my friends and neighbors. And this morning as I rode the subway to work, I was looking around yeah. and, you know, I, I feel kind of bad saying this, but everyone looked like a terrorist to me. Yes. And, and I don't want to feel that way in my city and in my country. And I want the president, no matter what my party is, I want the president to make me feel better when something so horrific has just happened. I don't think he gave it the proper context. I don't think he gave proper domestic strategy. And he certainly didn't give me peace. Yeah, I mean, we've been tasked with, Stacey, if you see something, say something. Right. But it's also, if you see something, don't say anything offensive. Right. It's, it's ridiculous. And his speech was an epic fail. It was like when you have to go to a dinner with your parents, but you have a party to go to afterwards. That's what it felt like. He was just trying to get through it because he wanted to go to this event afterwards. You know, I, I did not feel better. I didn't feel any passion from him, like you said, Andrea. Mm -hmm. I felt like he could give a sh excuse me, like he, did, he could care less. He could care less. So and here we have 14 people dead. Today is the anniversary of Pearl Harbor. Mm -hmm. Okay. His speech should have had a lot more passion. Where is Winston Churchill when we need him? Is all I have to All right, we're back. What do you guys feel about? I don't know what. <laughs> just so low class and trash. Like, um, well, this is like when you, you got to go to dinner with your parents and, like, you want to go to a party after that. I said, girl, Stay with the topic. You 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 know she sounds like a fucking. Oh, there I go. Oops, there I go. Let me stop. Let me get my stuff together because, girl, you're on Fox News Network. You're on a national network, and you you're supposed to be this this educated. You're supposed to be this articulate commentator, and you can't even control your emotions. Like, you you know, and, like, so much of what they said had, like, so many racial undertones under it. Like, the, like that Ralph Peters guy. Like, you might as well have said, like, you care more about these, excuse my word, these niggers than, than you know, than your own, than, than, than the rest of white America. That's what he might as well have said. You know what I'm saying? So... I feel that, you know, there's no respect for the commander-in-chief. And this is my thing. Let this have been another country, and they would have said that about the their leader, they would have been dead before sunrise. Yes. Sunset. You know what I'm saying? Like, for you to get on TV, and, you know, they have no respect for Obama. Now, if it was, mm -hmm. I'm going to tell you this now, like, you know, if this was President Bush and they would have said that, they would have been blackballed. Like they would have been blackballed, like in 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 the uh, in the industry. But but it just seems like mm -hmm. you know these people cannot get past the fact that this man is the first man of color in in the White House. Like it's eight mm -hmm. years late. This man's about to leave the office, and you guys still are upset about this man being the first black president. And, and regardless to how you feel 
how he handled things or if you if you agree to disagree with how he dealt with it, for you to show that level of disrespect speaks volumes on you as a person. Mm-hmm. You know, you're, that was very tacky, very unprofessional. How can I even take another, anything? Yeah, yeah, another thing I think that you could prove that point with is she said when she got on the subway, everybody looked like a terrorist. Looked like a terrorist. Well, yeah. yeah. Well, you know what? After 9-11, a lot of people in New York said that every day for a long time, too. And we had a different president then. So... <clears throat> what do you feel about yep. what was said? Well, I'm well, I'm gonna start with this. She talked about Winston Churchill. Well, first of all, he's dead and he's been gone, so I don't know why she would even bring him up in the first place. But my issue is now. All this racism, now we know that this is something that has been an aspect for generations for years, and this is something that is never going to go away, and I agree with something that you said. Had it been, and I'm just going to say it, and this isn't um, any type of personal thing, but this is just what I see. Um, had it had it been a Caucasian President, just just like what you were saying, then this aspect would not have gone on, whether if it was a Democrat or whether if it was a Republican. Mm-hmm. Color is the only thing that matters, and African Americans are going to continuously be persecuted. They're going to continuously be looked at as uh, evil people. We're we're going to continuously go through stereotypes because mm-hmm. the fact of the matter is is that this entire country has been brought up on the basis of the Caucasian race. And I'm sorry to say it, but that is really how, how it's been. And so now that we're in 2015, because there is an African-American in office that is actually called Nishat, as I would say, um, so now everybody has a problem with it, and and it's not about who is what color is is in office, but it's really about the individual that is doing what they are supposed to do. And I have to honestly say that President Obama, um, after Bill Clinton, um, after Bill Clinton, is one of the best presidents that we have had in a long time because a lot of the things that we had suffered through, you know, like he he really brought a lot of justice um, for our country and for people to not even see that. Um, but, but then they want to focus on color. Then they need to just take the veil off of their eyes because they're blind. Like they, they but they're blinding themselves and they're refusing to see the good in him. So. And I think, and, and I think one of the things we got, you know, he's going to be one of the presidents where people are not going to really appreciate all that he has done until he's out of office. You know, mm-hmm. uh, there's been a lot of groups of people, and, and the thing I respect about him is like, there's been, he, he's been one of those presidents that has looked out for different subgroups of people that have been overlooked. Mm-hmm. Normal. Yep. You know what I'm saying? Like he's, he's fought for a lot of rights for women, of um, the LGBT mm-hmm. community, uh, mm-hmm. 
just just I mean, you know, and to me, you know, I think that he he has tried. He, she talking about he doesn't. The, the guy said he doesn't identify with the American people. How can you say that this is one of the most down to earth presidents that that we ever had? You know, I think it's funny when they say that he doesn't identify with the American people. No, that particular individual saying that comment feels that he didn't identify with him, so he feels left out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh-huh. But if anything, he's out of touch. He, you know, he, exactly. You know, yeah. Wow. Mhm. And that kind of leads me into like something else I was reading. Like I was reading like on uh something a story a news story came up on my news feed on Facebook about Justice uh, Scalia making that comment. And I think you you saw it um uh, see uh that, mm-hmm. that that story I posted up cuz I think you liked it about how he uh-huh. said that he felt that black, young black youth, they need more slow-paced schools or something like that. Oh, God, yes. Yeah, and uh, and that was like, how are you a justice of the United States, you know, Supreme yes. Court, and, and you would even open your mouth to say, that goes to show you that, you know, that's scary when you got someone that you know, in that mm-hmm. type of position that's making laws of the land or ruling on yes. things, you know, and, and you have that type of mindset, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going to mm-hmm. read exactly what he said. Um, he said that, uh, I'm going to pull this article up real quick because I want to get exactly what he said. I'm going to read what he mm-hmm. said. Okay, this is an uh story brought to you. Uh, this is this is from the Ricky Smiley Morning Show. Uh, they had an article on their website uh saying that uh black leaders call for Justice Scalia to rescue himself from a con- controversial affirmative action case. And then it says black leaders call for justice to uh okay. For Chief Justice and uh, Scalia's comments that African American students should attend "quote unquote" slower track schools won't go away quietly. Collegiates responded with hashtag Stay Mad Abby, a social media ode to Black Excellence. Now, prominent African American lawmakers are weighing in. One of the most renowned figures of civil rights movement, um, John Lewis, released a statement saying Scalia's suggestion that Ameri- African Americans would far uh, fare better at schools that are less advanced or on a slow track reminds me of the kind of prejudice that led to separate and unequal schools a policy that the Supreme Court declared unconstitutional decades ago. Uh, Congressional Black Caucus Chair Chairman D.K. Butterfield believes that Scalia's comments are clear evidence that he cannot provide an unbiased decision on the case, which is for rescue. The statements are disgusting, inaccurate, and insulting to African Americans," said Butterfield. 
Lewis also agreed that Scalia's evident bias is very troubling and calls into question his ability to make impartial, impartial judgment in this case. According to the Huffington Post, in order for a Supreme Court justice to be removed from the bench, he or she must be impeached by the House and convicted by the Senate, a move that has never happened in U.S. So it's not going to happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, however, this is solely up to the justice. The U.S. Code, Title 28, Section 455 states, a judge should rescue himself, him or herself from a case whenever there is conflict of interest, including biased opinion or involvement of a family member. We hope that we hope more politicians continue to speak out and hold Scalia accountable for his dishonorable count, uh, comments. But you know nothing's going to happen. You know what I'm saying? But this just goes to show you that mm-hmm. you never know who's in office or who's making these, you know, decisions for us and how they really feel about the people of the United States or different segments of the population. You know what I'm saying? So that's just that's Scalia, just you know, I've looked a lot of Supreme Court stuff over the years, and Scalia has always had a track record that basically indicates he's freaking nuts. <laughs> yeah. It, this, you know, he says he comes up with things all the time. If you hear some of, listen to some of his oral arguments, the tapes of the Supreme Court on different things, different topics, the topics vary. You can pick varying topics across the board. He's nuts. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, he's he's freaking out there. He really is. I said, you you talking about? Yeah, okay, you talking about. African American students need to be on a slow track program, but honey, judging by all them damn triple and um, quadruple chins sitting up under your neck, you need to be on a fast track weight loss program. That's what you need to be on. While you talking about somebody need to be on a slow track, some now you need to be on somebody's fast track program to get some mm-hmm. of that chance reduced. How about that? Since you want to throw shade. Mm-hmm. <laughs> sitting there looking like Thanksgiving all over again. Jim <laughs> was sitting up under his chin, and he got the nerve to get a, get in the public line like going to either make a comment like that. You opened yourself up. <laughs> that. Nah, yeah, it's just... <laughs> you seen that picture, didn't you? Him yes, sitting there with some old, old narrow lips perched up and, and then <laughs> sticking out. <laughs> and that suit looked like it was a little bit too tight. Uh-huh. Like the button was about to pop right off. I'm like, no, sir, you just need to unbutton that. But, uh, but I want to say this, though, mm. that he brought his personal feelings into um, whatever it is that, you know, he was actually trying to um, portray. But my thing is, is that whatever it is that he was feeling or whatever personal feelings that he does have, then that's something that he really should have kept to himself because everyone is entitled to that. But yeah. when you come out and you start speaking just like what you were saying, and you are justice, and you are out here, and you are making 
your personal comments be known to the public, then really what it is is that that one comment really shows who you have been for all the years that you have been a justice. And so now my thing is is that now I question every um, type of verdict, every type mm-hmm. of court case that he's been over, I question his judgment. You know, and, and and my question to him is, who in hell do you think you are? Where did you come from, you know, and why do you think that you are affected? Because you're not. You have just sat up there and you made a fool out of yourself. But really, now, and I'm sorry to say, but it's almost like that that is a norm now. You know, like it's a norm for these things to happen. And then when we have people who challenge it and people who speak against it, then we're the ones with the problem. Yeah. But it's vice versa. It's 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 vice versa. But see, but the majority of the people who think like him will never see it the way that we see it. And so now, you know, when he starts uh, saying comments like that, then people are going to be like, yeah, well, he's saying the right thing. Yeah, yeah, and we need to back him up. But what he sort of realizes is that when he walks out with that little tight suit on, and he's going to get got. He needs to watch what he's saying. He needs to watch what he's doing. And he needs to watch his back because it's comments like that that's, that's going to get him hurt. You know, and, and, and it's going to set like us back. It's going to get him hurt. Yeah. yeah. This is my thing. Like, you know, and, and it's so accountability. That's why people can just say anything. You you just wonder how, you wonder how a lot of these people just get away with just saying this stuff and how they feel so comfortable and free. Saying it, I'm just wondering, like, how how can you be so old? But, you know, it goes back to this. They are not being held accountable. Right. And nobody's yeah. calling them on this stuff. And nobody, you know, people are not pushing hard enough. And that's what can keep. They, they can say and do anything they want to do to, and, and, and there's just no accountability. You know, and, mm-hmm. and they're going to keep saying it because if they don't have any consequences, Behind their words, they're going to keep doing it. Mhm. Yes. And that's the bottom Definitely. line. Just like like we were talking about earlier with that whole uh, Lebron McDonald situation, that boy that got killed in Chicago, you know, mm-hmm. and all that corruption surrounding that. You know, these people can do that stuff. They can they can you know feel like they can just run up on someone and shoot someone sixteen times without any just cause. Because there's no consequences behind it. People are not, mm-hmm. you know, people have allowed things to get to this point. You know what I'm saying? And mm-hmm. as long as there's accountability, people people in authority are going to keep, they're going to keep doing these things. They're going to keep staying in doing these things. They're going to keep uh, rubbing the system until we challenge them. Mm-hmm. And I'm glad now that Chicago is... Uh, Waking up to a lot of these issues that's going on, you know. I don't. I didn't mean to jump from that to that, but you know, it just it all links together. Like you know, we have to hold people accountable, and if not, they're going to keep doing any and everything. Like they're gonna they're mm-hmm. gonna keep pushing the envelope as far as far mm-hmm. as we allow them to. So I think it's very important when we when people 
when these leaders do or say certain things, we we had to hold their feet to the fire. Mhm. That's right. That's right. Yes, because you know, to me, like... We can't sit here and complain. Right, we can't sit here and complain and not even at least speak out of them. We just, well, yes. okay, we don't shake our head. We some old slavery time. Oh, wow. This is a new day. We're going into 2016. We got to get out of that old slave mentality. Like, we scared That's to right. speak up. <laughs> That's right. You say exactly. you ain't Honey, you ain't Miss Silly from the color purple. Hold your head <laughs> up. Speak up for yourself. about that and you know and because it happens um so often and it's it's like a repetitious behavior and it's just going to keep on happening keep on happening just like what you said until people stop being afraid and let their voices be heard because change can happen when you speak when you talk and when you give your 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 opinions and your feelings and give facts about the situation, changes can occur. But when a lot of people take heed to the stereotypes that are out here, then then it's almost like you know, then they become afraid or you know, like they're like, okay, well, people gonna see me and. People gonna know that I was the one that got out here, and I let my voice be heard. So what? So I'm what? sorry. I I was raised to speak my mind. I'm sorry. I was taught. That's to speak right. My mind. That's right. That's exactly. Uh, exactly. You know, I was I was right. You Mm-hmm. I just don't understand people that you know, like you. Somebody or somebody or like you like on a slave um, plantation. No, <laughs> mm-hmm. we wouldn't know seriously, but we would where we are. If people did speak up, how back some change if you don't even voice your opinion or That's you don't right. speak out against injustices? How how do you change? And then mm-hmm. you want to sit there and talk. And this is the biggest thing that bothers me. And I say so. Sometimes this bothers me about our community. We'll sit and talk amongst each other, 
and mm-hmm. you know, and we'll we'll c- complain. We we talk about you know mm-hmm. um, how that ain't right. But when it comes down to actually speaking up, to power of taking a stand on something, everybody don't know everything. Mm-hmm. Understand people like like you you talk want to talk each other, you want to bicker and, and, and complain, argue all this and, and, and the other one, and to actually speak out on something when it's time to, nobody has anything to say. Mm-hmm. Yes. If you want to sit mm-hmm. back, you want to reap all the, you know, the fruits of someone else taking a thing. Yeah, Ooh. That's it. Ooh, that that is. Oh my lord, you took the words right out of my mouth. That is it. I'm telling you, mm-hmm. that's that. I'm on Facebook. I see y'all want to sit here mm-hmm. and complain and, and and talk about, it, but you ain't trying to be about it. But when it comes time to reap those, the fruits of someone else's uh, neighbor, someone else's, you know. Uh, Courageous acts. Do you want to be in line for that? Yes. <laughs> That's it. Mhm. And then yeah. you know, I want to say, yeah, I was thinking the same thing. Yeah, well, you know what? And you may have been thinking the same thing, but that next person was the one that stepped out there because they knew that you know some positive change would happen. And, you know, my thing is, is like when you refuse to really stand firm on um, what it is that you believe and when you refuse to really let your voice be heard, then that means that you never now, unless you change your mind frame, you don't have the ability to be effective. You know, like you really don't because you're sitting there and you are letting your feelings and your emotions and what other people may think dictate what it is that you need to do in order to make a difference. And I believe that that's what's really wrong with um, a lot of people in our society today because, you know, they stand back and they look and they ear hustle and they stare all around trying to see what people saying and what people doing and all and and all this kind of stuff, but just like what you were saying, when they see a little bit of change and a little bit of positive, then then they want to jump in and try to be a um, you know like a part of the population that really made a difference. And uh-huh. for me, if I was a fly on the wall, I'm gonna tell you something. I I will I'll tap dance right on their head and say, "Get the hell out! Cause you ain't done nothing." <laughs> You do nothing. Get the hell out. Because you know, I'm telling you, you just notice, like you know, and that's my thing. Like I just, you know, I just can't stand people that don't have no identity. Like you, you don't have anything. You can go whichever way the wind. But, and to me, a person like that is just a, that's a follower. And and I know some people by nature are followers, but there's just some people that just follow by default to where it's just pathetic. Like you, you don't have mm-hmm. no voice. You have no identity. You go with what, whatever is the trend. You you don't have exactly. any, you know, conviction. You don't have any type of, you know, it's it, you you don't. That's just a weak person to me. 
You know, mm-hmm. I think you know for you know, I think a lot of people put up with stuff, or they they know that something's not right, but they'll just go mm-hmm. along with it because Sally Sue or um, Joe Blow don't doesn't say anything. So you feel well, That's I don't right. want to start a pot, but sometimes you gotta take a stand because, like I always say, if if, if you don't stand for something, you're gonna fall for anything. Just, and I hate bringing this up, see, because you know what. Mm-hmm. But this is just like this that <laughs> article about that that them the women remember mm-hmm. that women the women that was going to that church. Oh God, and they, yeah, and they on the beach. That you talking about that oh no, no about the women that was giving that pastor some head. Oh God, yeah, oh yes. Oh my lord. Oh yeah. Did you hear about that story, Michael? No. There was these <laughs> I don't recall oh. this one. They were going to that Ooh, church. Lord. They were going to that girl. Let me tell you about this. They they mm-hmm. said that these women was going to this church and the pastor was saying, telling the women, if you give me some head, I got I got milk that will that will. <laughs> she said with with you know, my divine milk that comes up out of my penis will heal any ailments that you have. People believe this? Unfortunately, <laughs> yes. Because the picture, you know, wow. like, people... They show them women, they, show them, they look like some old African women, too. So, you know, they... Sure did. They look like... And then mm-hmm. the picture was showing them women, like, they that woman, like, she got, she got just straight got blasted. Like, so like she was about to throw up. Mm-hmm. Um, oh. And then they wonder why. Um, some of them wonder why they edges is far out on their head. <laughs> and they walking around sick. <laughs> oh, my. Well, what would make you? I said, you know what? Them women deserve everything they get. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. Right. I, 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 I don't mean to mean, and I don't mean to sound, but they deserve everything they get. Mm-hmm. Why would you think giving head to a pastor? You said, I ain't even, you know what? I ain't going to even fault the pastor. I'm going to fault these dumb, bobblehead women. Mm-hmm. What would make you think that doing that is going to bless you down the road? Now, what scripture in the Bible stupid that told you to get on your knees mm-hmm. in front of the man of God and do something like that? What, what scripture would mm-hmm. you read? Right. <laughs> I mean, I'm right. not trying to be wrong, but I mean, am I right? I mean, if I'm wrong, you know, let yeah. me know. But I'm just saying, what in the Bible tells you indicate or point you in the direction of doing that? Hmm. Right. I mean, you are absolutely right about that, you know, and it's, and see, but I mean, that's but you my as a woman, see, what, what, how do you feel about that? Like, do you feel sorry for these women? Like, you as a woman, I know you, woman, I know you have to be disgusted with that. Yes, you know, and um, to answer your question, no, I do not feel sorry for them at all because, they are grown women, and um, they all have choices. And they had a choice whether to um, degrade themselves or they had a choice whether to get in the true word of God and to study it for themselves and to show themselves true. But because they have allowed a man, a man, to dictate their lives, they are brainwashed. And when I say brainwash, I'm just saying that any and everything that this particular man has to say about any and everything, they're going to follow it, they're going to listen it, listen to him, they're going to adhere to everything that he says. And now they're going to be sitting looking like sperm-filled fools because nothing is going on, because nothing's going to happen. So mm-hmm. now they're looking for a miracle. But instead, they got there. But instead, yeah, okay, they yeah. just got <laughs> yeah, 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 we going to leave that one. Because I said, this, that's, and that's what the Bible speaks about, like false prophets. And it's going to come a time where mm-hmm. people just, they don't want to hear anything but some foolishness. And that, yes. that's nothing but straight up foolishness. Mm-hmm. Yes. Dude, that's but then, yes, but then here's my thing, too. But then too, but but then for that pastor too, for and I know that he's gonna be held accountable for that too because for him to include the the Lord who is all good and perfect, to include him in that is 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 blasphemy and you're using his name in vain and just all all of that. So my thing is is that you're using his name. To pleasure yourself, and that Ooh. is. I don't want to be. I don't want to be in that situation because he gonna have to answer no. God. Now I just. Woo. Yeah. Ooh. Yes, Lord. Mm. Ooh, Lord, what you done said? Oh my God. Whenever I can't begin to even. Mm. Lord, have mercy. Ooh. Well, guys, we got two minutes left. I just want to thank you guys for coming on here. And I know, like, that guy, from, let me stop. I ain't going to go there. Let me, let me stop. <laughs> Sorry about that, guys. 
could we could have got a lot more accomplished. But you know, I just want to thank you guys. Mm-hmm. We go go on ahead. We got it recorded, so we can still put it out there. But I just like I don't know what that was. But I just, you know, we still mm-hmm. want to thank thank him. We want to thank all of our listeners. You know, for calling mm-hmm. in tonight. You know, uh, really picked up at the end. So it's all about having different points of view. But um, yes. we will be getting ready for our Christmas show next week. I'll give you guys more information on that. Okay. You know, we're going to talk Hello. about it again. See, we got to get on there and talk about the do's and don'ts of the holiday season. Because oh, God, people, yes. <laughs> these people come and we stop. Yes. But I do want to say this real quick that I did enjoy myself. I've just been really busy with my business endeavor and a lot of other things that has been going on. But I thank you for keeping me updated, and I do plan on yeah. being yeah, and just let me know about the business update. I mean, the business thing because yes. we want to do commercials, commercials of Definitely. what you guys do, so I, I, we can get okay. together. And, yeah, just let me know what what it's about. You know, we'll talk, and then yeah. we can get together. You know, um, one day and do like a little brief commercial, and then we can air it on here. Okay. Oh, okay. Thank I, you. I want to start doing ads and stuff on the show soon. So, yeah. Okay. That sounds yeah. good. All right, guys. 